Cold Ones with Connor, episode 6. Coastal Connection, we are back. Welcome back to yeah, Comeback yeah. for Cold Ones. Jeremy, Holland and I are going to shoot the shit over a few cold tigers. Welcome back, gentlemen. How are you? They think that delay. I was pointing to you to start. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying wait a minute. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm good, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's good to be here on the final chapter of Cold Ones with Connor. Mm, indeed. So that's an honor. All good things come to an end. Yeah. It's been a, a golden journey. It has, hasn't it? Yeah. It came up recently, two years since we did the first one. And that was my first right, right. group interview. And I thought, wow, the lineage we've had since. And that's yeah. crazy that it's been two years. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Lots has happened since. Like, we've become co-workers as well. Yeah. We've met. We've and we're actually friends now. Indeed. Instead of yeah. just random yeah. people, like, hoping to not get Feels like it's been a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> feels like it's been a lot longer for it me, does, yeah, like yeah. a long time, yeah. like four years, not two, but it's been two. Yeah, it's a bit weird that I just ask people if they want to talk about their life story. And right. Become, I think it doesn't help, pre- excuse me, it helps friendship because you bring people to your house. Right. And right. usually you bring people to your house when you're close. Right, right. And so you've already kind of passed that barrier. Right, right. And you talk about your life, which goes past the usual bullshit you have of how are you when you don't really care. Right, right. And you kind of, yeah, you kind of jump through the gun and... It goes well. I mean, when someone comes and lays on your bed and talks about their life problems, <laughs> it's going to bring people together. Yeah. Yeah. The therapy. In the last year, you've done a lot, I believe. Quite a lot. You've released some new songs, October mm-hmm. Nights, The Highway. Yep. Done some gigs, which I've seen. I've seen some of them. Some at Soma. I didn't go at Tamoine. I apologize. I went, yeah. I went to the acoustic. <laughs> <Not okay. laughs> I went to the acoustic. I'm sure there's one more I went to. But yeah, you've done quite a lot in this. Um, Indica. Indica, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Quite a lot you guys have going on. Yeah. Yeah. We went to Hanoi too. Yeah. yeah, that one. I don't know if that was before or after the last time. It was probably after. Yeah. I went to a show up in Hanoi. Yeah. Been a been pretty sweet time. Been sweet. Yeah. And we're now with the label, and <sighs> music. Shout out to M Music. This, this is coming from someone who doesn't really know what I'm talking about. What's the difference <laughs> yeah. between being like unsigned versus a label in terms of like how does it change? Well, there's different kinds of contracts and deals that you have too, and different companies that do different things. So everyone just talks about like, you know, oh, you got signed, you got like a record deal. Mm-hmm. There's actually different kinds of deals, and mm-hmm. some are different, do different things, and some are better than other ones. What we got signed is to a distribution deal. Uh, which is pretty awesome. So in other words, we get basically free promotion, uh, which has really helped us, especially with like Spotify, where we got Highway, got a lot of uh, plays, and got on an editorial playlist, and that was helped by working with uh, M Music. Absolutely, yeah, and quite a few venues. Some of the venues I'm not been impressed with, like 190k for a tiger. Well, I've got to say it. I've got to say it. Um, I know that's not your fault. We don't. We don't need to say the name. But, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I agree with you. It's not very um, audience friendly, is it? In, in Vietnam, where the average salary is, you know, like three mil a month. So you're, you're talking like the top five percent of earners in the country are the people going there. Yeah. And that yeah. particular venue, clearly, people showed up exactly for the time of the show. And as soon as the music is over, they were gone. Yeah. Like, yeah. that is what you're there for. Yeah, I was trying to yeah. time it so that I got the gig, but that was it. And like, I didn't want to buy a drink. I was trying to avoid it. But I saw the the, the letter which said, 200k charge if you don't get a drink. Right. I thought I might as well get a drink. <laughs> I was literally trying... I think it was in the middle of the song, but I, I was... I thought about 
trying to communicate to you with, with my eyes as a signal. But then I was like, no, I'm gonna fuck up if I if I like do a motion with my hand or something because yeah. I was I was gonna tell you don't don't buy anything. <laughs> we're, we're almost done. Like, yeah. you can just say, oh, we're about to leave, and then like they won't True. they won't make you do anything because it would have been like five more minutes. Yeah, um, that's cool. I really enjoyed my yeah. 200k ginger rooster ale or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> was it cold? It was no, not really. <laughs> yeah, like come nice. on, man. Yeah, yeah. And then the Malibu shop, did you see the Malibu shop? The Scarlet Book? Um, okay, like, <laughs> no, I didn't see it. Like she was sip. almost done when I got over there. It was like 250k for like a sip. Oh, and that's, ridic- that's ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely. They have a lot of like complaints on their Google reviews oh, yeah. about the price. Because apparently it's more expensive than the original location. Really? Yeah. Yeah, um, it makes sense being in its new location. Yeah, yeah. Because it's in a you know fancier area. I get you. Yeah. yeah. So this is a bit like of a different point. But what's the timekeeping like with the band now? As in, how much time do you have to spend on it? Is it more since you've got a label and more gigs, or you mean like total time spent? Yeah. Doing everything. Yeah. Like so like rehearsing, practicing, recording. We probably spend more time, but that has nothing really to do with the label. Yeah. 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 That has nothing to do. With it's it. really not a whole lot. All it does is acts as like a. Uh, exponential filter like you give them things and then they just shoot it out and they can get it to more viewers yeah than, but if we don't give them anything there's nothing for them to put out yeah really. yeah so so that's the difference with like their their more famous people where they're doing everything for that person mm-hmm. like they're booking shows they're booking photo sessions like music videos like that's the full package yeah. but you got to be you know really good or they see something in you mm. where they're gonna put a lot of investment into you so yeah. like the rapper t Lynn, she's like um probably their biggest artist right now um and there are a few others that play like kind of v-pop or like v-rap they're very like a like a it's funny because they call themselves like a gen z label and then i think jordan is the only would, would jordan be considered gen z or is like yeah, the, the beginning of Gen Z, because he's 25, right? Yeah. And, he would make, and we're, yeah. we're millennials, and Quaz a millennial. Am I not a millennial? I thought, for some reason, I thought I was a millennial. So I don't know where the cutoff point is. 97. 97 Last is... I understood, 97 is the cutoff. Well, I think so, yeah. I'm a millennial, that's just about. Just about. <laughs> August 97. I just... Uh, okay, yeah, okay. I don't want to yeah. label myself as Gen Z, even if it actually is true. Do you want to label yourself as a millennial, though? That's the question. Can we just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can no, we just not be either? Are good, man. That's the tough one. Oh. Yeah. I think, no, there's something about Gen Z which I, I try to keep a bit of distance. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's funny that, that, like, that's their whole thing, isn't mm. their Gen Z label? And then they chose us. And at the time, Matt was our drummer, and he's 40. Well, mm-hmm. So, like, <laughs> yeah. he's Gen X. Like, yeah, their whole explanation of why they wanted to hire us is, in, as their bigger picture, we were all thinking, like, huh, it's a little little different, but okay. But then what they said they would do and how they could help us, we're like, well, I mean, if you want to sign us, we're happy to work with you. And it's definitely been good. I mean, yeah, we like yeah. working with them. And it's definitely helped with uh, certain things. Yeah. But, yeah, like what I was saying earlier, so artists like T. Lynn, they have like a different kind of contracts. They only have a few actual r- record and recording contracts with a few artists. They want to have more, but they start out doing mostly distribution contracts, which is basically like 
it's the same thing as if some people will go and hire a promotion company uh, or a social media company to do things for them. We get that done for free in return for a percentage of our streaming money. Yeah. Right, I see. Yeah. Mm. So they put everything online. We don't have to do any of that. We just give them the file, give them the artwork, some information, and then they put everything online. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So um, it makes it more convenient, for sure. What um, the, the most recent releases was October Nights. Yeah, the highway. The highway is before yeah. that, and before that was um, Hey Mama. Yes. And that's before we joined the label. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How did the label? Before. How did the label? How did the label begin? As in, did they come to you? Did you reach out to them? How did it? Happen? They. They reached out to us. Yeah. On, on Facebook. Yeah, they reached out to us on uh, the band's Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. They messaged us, message. and the guy that we talked to said he had found us through Instagram from our show we did Indica mm. last year. Yeah. And he's like, well, it seemed really good live. And they really focused on that when we were talking with them about getting a deal about the live aspect. That's what they were saying. You seem to have a lot of people to come every single time. It's better to have like a core group of people that always come than it is to play like, one show once in a while. Or you know, if you have an actual fan base that comes pretty much every time mm. and venues that want you to come all the time, that's a better situation. If they really like that we played Soma, uh, and they really enjoyed the shows that we did. Again, we didn't think we were doing that well on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, our Instagram's like yeah. pretty low. <laughs> mostly, but mostly we get our followers on Facebook, so we're pretty surprised when he uh, found us on Instagram. But I think he was just searching hashtags or something. Possibly. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I always use like Band Knack, like uh, uh, music band, and then like uh, Rock Viet, and then like Saigon. I always use like yeah. Vietnam based. Hashtags. Right, yeah. So maybe that helps. I don't know. Certainly help it. Yeah. yeah. Has um, it been a highlight for last year for either of you? Whether it be the label, the, a new song, a certain performance? Uh, for me, I'd have to say like how well the highway is done because it's yeah. almost. I, I, so I have an app on my phone um, where I can see all the stats for our Spotify, uh, called Spotify Artists. And Right now, it's like almost 17,000 streams just on Spotify, and we don't even know the numbers of the other streaming services because they don't have the same kind of like page that you can check. Mm. Um, yeah. So they have that information. The label has that, but because of like uh, because of legal stuff, and they have like a shit ton of artists that they're working with, so it takes a while to get the report of like a song. It takes like three months to get the report of how all the streaming numbers are. So we're still waiting on that, but I can mm-hmm. see for Spotify that it's 17,000, so I'd, almost 17. So I'd guess that we're like over 20 total, probably, um, between different services. So that's pretty yeah. fucking cool that like, yeah. and it's like 90-something countries that people have listened to it, a thousand-something streams from Germany, so mm-hmm. I'm like, let's go to Germany. <laughs> Poland's big, Mexico's big. Yeah, yeah. For a while, Crazy. Afghanistan was number one for a very short period of time. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah, they're like they're like these war torn countries that are listening to our music. I'm like, that's pretty. That's their war music, yeah. bro. <laughs> I'm like, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. Get ready for buckle. It was on the highway on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hear that motorcycle yeah, go. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm pretty. That would also be my highlight. At least for 2023 is is uh, the highway. 2022 is probably probably uh, M music. Going to Hanoi was pretty cool too. 
The show was, was cool. the show was not, but the <laughs> the idea of the experience yeah, yeah, was yeah. very cool. Mm-hmm. Actually, doing it was not, but I still look, I actually look back on it fondly. Yeah, I didn't same. then, yeah, yeah. but I do now, right. especially because both uh, Angie and I got COVID coming back. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was really cool, like traveling that far as a band. Mm-hmm. That that was pretty cool, like yeah. you know eating pho together in a in the total opposite side of the country. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Is it the like, yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Ever go international? Thailand, Bali, Australia? I mean, <laughs> we'd love to, for sure. Yeah. yeah. There's potentially we'll go to Cambodia. Alright. Uh, we're looking at that. The original idea, I think, kind of fell through. We were working with someone that was trying to put something together. But, through talking to him, I got the contacts of all the actual promoters. So, I'm going to try and uh, talk to them. Maybe we'll be able to make it work to go to Cambodia sometime. Yeah. Which, if we can... Just go and play some shows and get paid for it. I mean, be one of the few times we would probably wouldn't lose a whole lot of money doing it. Yeah, yeah. it's not really that expensive to go there. Big time. Yeah. How about Australia? Is that a big shout? Is that, oh, is that a big I'll love that. I, I mean, I love that, but I think that's a little too expensive with, with the airfare. Yeah. Um, we have to get some help for that. Yeah. If anybody's listening, wants us to come play in Australia, yeah, hit us up. Yeah. Let's make it happen. I think Thailand could be possible because. From what I know, they have a pretty good rock scene that's like, at least Bangkok, that's bigger than the Saigon rock mm-hmm. scene, uh, and that you know it's a little more developed than Saigon sure. overall. So I think I think that would be possible if we could get a good deal on flights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty much most places in Southeast Asia, we'd probably be able to pull off. So definitely going to be some one of my goals for the future is an international show, and then uh, some bigger promotion promote promoted type of gigs, you know, through promoters. Yeah. Do you prefer doing it in Saigon or going to places like Moine or Dala? I think you've played before, is that correct? Not no, yet. but we want to. You want to? Yeah. Only Moine and uh, Hanoi. Oh, Moine and Hanoi, okay. Yeah, yeah. This might be tricky. Do you prefer going, a, not abroad, away for it, having like an away date, or do you prefer doing it in Saigon? If you play a oh, show? That's a good question. Because yeah. um, obviously it's great to go away for the travel, the logistics, the expense. Uh, for me, like the camaraderie road trip kind of aspect is really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, like just drinking a bunch of beers in Moinet, where we don't know anybody. Like that's pretty cool because it's kind of like you're you're like a you're like a team. Yeah. You know, right. yeah. yeah, yeah. You're like a unit, and you're in this. You're strange people in a strange land, you know, and yeah. and like figuring things out and. Uh, Kind of band against the world sort of feeling sometimes. I was going to volunteer as roadie at one point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just have me in the car. Hey, that would have been helpful in one day. We had a lot of bags. Oh, really? Uh, well, Anne and I had a lot of bags. Right, you guys did. <laughs> we travel heavy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we travel pretty heavy. Um, but yeah, Colin, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's, it's two very different feelings, like yeah. going abroad and then playing at home, too. It's, uh, but I definitely agree with what Jeremy said. It's like very much more of like a camaraderie aspect to going abroad. It's not necessarily just about the show. It's more about getting there mm. and being with everybody. Whereas for me, when we play at home, it's much more of like focusing on just performing and the music yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned earlier about like the people you bring to the shows. You've got a bit of a fun base. I'd say you have some core members who come. Yeah, you're one of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah Scarlett <laughs> and Angie. Um, a few others who, who turn up to a lot. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it's, it kind of annoys me. I, I know it's just part of 
life with phones and social media now. But there are always people at gigs who take videos and pictures and are clearly enjoying it. There's some guy, a middle-aged guy last night, who I could tell he was focusing directly on me because it was one of the songs where I wasn't playing guitar and I had the mic out and I was, I was moving around the stage. And he was following me with his phone. <laughs> but, like, I'm never going to see that because people never tag us. Mm. It's, it's a little bit of a, a tangent. But um, those kind of people, I wish they would come to another show and then, like, talk to us. But yeah. often it's, it's just, like, this flash in the pan and then they don't come back, but they come, which is kind of annoying. One of our solutions is we want to get like a poster with a QR code to all of our band stuff, but uh, you have yeah. to pay apparently to keep QR codes active. Okay. So it's always one of those things, let's do it, and then we just don't quite get to it, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have to do it at some point. These are the kind of things, you know, like growing pains of a, of a small band, sure. where you're doing so many things that you fuck up on some things, mm. or some things take longer than they should just because yeah. like we're working full-time jobs and Close. have serious relationships and, you know there's other stuff going on there's a lot right yeah, yeah. Now, on top of all the different band stuff too it's happening behind the scenes before like getting ready for a show isn't just about getting ready for the show it's also about getting ready dealing with the promoter or dealing with the venue right dealing with making sure we have the equipment making sure we practice making sure we learn the parts and then also trying to improve what we were doing from last time. Mm. And so it's hard to keep up on everything that's going on. Yeah, right. it makes sense. As yeah. well as like trying to record at the same time. Yeah. I thought that like it is again, you have full time jobs, serious relationships yeah. and a band. It's yeah. like I bet that feels like a full time job sometimes, the band. Or does it or is it? Sometimes. Um not re- not really. Okay. Because I think if you enjoy something enough then then you'll you'll not feel like work it's never, yeah it's never felt like work yeah. felt like a lot of stress sometimes but for sure. it never felt like work <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure definitely a lot of like stressful situations that mm. come up but we've always managed to push through it yeah. and keep on going okay if you, again like you mentioned if you enjoy something then you can pull up with the obstacle let's say it is an issue with the venue for whatever reason mm. you can just push through it because you know that ultimately you're on the right track yeah, yeah. enjoying what you're doing and just keep going yeah, absolutely be satisfying in the end. Yeah, and go like going into the wider topic from that. Um, I think that's that's it, it's been really good for me, honestly. Like for for my probably mental health and just like developing as a person. Because when I was here the first couple of years, cold ones. That that was and like then after I met Anne, it was like cold ones and going out with Anne, and mm-hmm. like that was that was my whole life and yeah. work. Like I didn't do shit. I was I was watching Netflix like playing video games mm-hmm. and like doing nothing productive so then like when it, when we started this band and then uh got serious about it it's like something to look forward to and actually put my time and effort into something productive yeah something yeah. productive yeah. and i think a lot of people that come to foreign countries get trapped in the same situation where they're just going out all the time partying doing whatever yeah, especially in Asia because it's so cheap. Exactly. Yeah. And then they don't do anything else, and it's like, well, you could just done this at home. There you go. I thought yeah. like loads. <laughs> Same with me. I remember I've spoken about it so many times. My first year and a half, all I did was party, go to work, party, go to work. There's nothing else. Yeah. And like going on dates was dreadful because they like, what do you like to do? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that this is it. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, <laughs> right here. Yeah. <laughs> 
They're like bears, not like bears hobbies. and women. Yeah. <laughs> they're like you know that's they're, what I like. You know they're not hobbies. I'm like, oh shit, they're not. Fuck, let me do something. Oh, do you brew your own beer? No. No. no, no, no. <laughs> I just drink a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a beer enjoyer, not a beer maker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, think, like, I agree. I resonate with what you're saying. Like my kind of version is the podcast, but doing something. Of course, yeah. Productive. Way if you're in a foreign country, that will actually keep you like on a decent path. Because otherwise, you right. Like, like the amount of things that could come up of like nonsense, like boy the end. <laughs> right, right. Gem. We could go on a long list. You could just right, right. drift, 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 and just stay there forever. Right, right. <laughs> But having something to focus. Yeah, and I probably wasted a shit ton of money too. Like I could have saved all that. To, <laughs> like to, you know, I, I, it's not like I'm in a bad situation now. But if I'd been more careful back then, you know, I could like be on my way to buying a car or something. Well, like, how old are you? How old were you when you did this stuff? Uh, I, I came here in 2016, so I I was um, it was after my birthday in 2016, so I was. Now you're putting me on the spot, and I hate math. Seven years ago. Uh, seven years ago. Yeah, I was 20, 24. Okay, yeah, cool. I was 24. So, yeah, 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 I was 24. I think you were similar, right? Yeah, Yeah, I came here when I was 25. And yeah. My first year and a half were pretty much just similar. Just you know? So, yeah, I mean, I'll work on my guitar and try and work on things, but when you don't really have the push to focus on something, yeah. it's, it's pretty hard. So I was mm. doing similar things. Definitely. I think I've actually spoken and written about this a lot, about getting a hobby in Vietnam because it switches you from opportunity versus escapism mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you go for an opportunity like start a podcast about uh, a band a business whatever then you have something healthy to drive this kind of right. expat energy towards right but again if you have the escapism it's like there's a reason I left home shit so I'm in this amazing yeah. country I don't know what to do balloons <laughs> yeah, like, yeah I feel like the only way the really kind of escapism idea works is when because when you come to Vietnam for the first time you're coming to like experience something new and mm-hmm. see something and that's cool for about the first year but then if you decide to stay like a second year unless you're able to travel a lot it ends up being like well now what do you do so for people that just kind of go to one place for a year or two then go somewhere else then go somewhere yeah, where else I think that's fine because at least you're getting that the culture shock coming in to change things you're learning new things you're experiencing mm-hmm. new things but if you go somewhere, you just stay there, then that's a whole other world. You can just yeah, drift. you can really drift. It's yeah. the biggest reason why I'm leaving because I notice I could fall into that trap. Mm-hmm. As in, like I notice my personality <laughs> and everything. I think yeah, like <laughs> I've probably extracted enough from Vietnam for now. For now. No, I think you're yeah. pretty stable, man. No, yeah, you could say so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know when you've hit that limit and you need to reset. That's true. That's true. I give myself some credit. Like for you've that. you've yeah. done that, so yeah. yeah, yeah. Kudos for that. Like you said. Yeah. yeah. Like a lot of people, they like you said, they'll just keep on drifting and they'll float yeah. out to sea and then you never see them again. But, yeah. My biggest fear. Yeah. We went out last week, last Saturday, three of us, for birthday. Uh, happy birthday, all of them. Oh, yeah. on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this old dude, did you see him? A 60 year old guy just doing bullying. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was sad, yeah. It was, yeah, it was yeah. sad. Cause like sitting in a dark corner by yourself at the age of 16 on a foreign country on a Saturday night. I always wonder how, it sounds weird. I was actually chatting today at Jordan about this on the phone. People watching, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm weird. So I'll look at someone and go, I wonder what they were like 20 years ago. And then, like, when this guy came here, whatever age he was, what was going on? Right. And then did he come here with a big dream? Did he come here with a family? Like, what has happened? Right. To get him to the point where he's 60 years old, sat in a bar, doing balloons by himself on a Saturday night. 
You know, I think it's, uh, I, I think because I don't frequent sketchy places anymore, but the first couple of years I was here, I feel like I saw a lot more of those mm. types of guys, and I'm not sure if it's just because I don't go to those places anymore, or if there's fewer of them. No, there's uh, definitely fewer of them, because yeah. a lot of them had to leave during COVID, yeah. that they had to go, basically, because mm, right. they had no real way to stay. Because we were always seeing about people overstaying their visas. Right, and they everything. didn't have a job. It, yeah, and they yeah. couldn't do the border runs anymore, so they changed it to one month when it was, before it was three months, right, right. and you could just like you know find a way to basically make it a one-year one mm-hmm. without really staying. So there was a lot of ways to just stay and not really have to have a legitimate reason to. Right. But then when COVID happened, I think that really filtered out a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when they had to, in Vietnam, I believe, for a little while, during one of the lockdowns, they had to have that shelter for, like, foreigners who didn't have anywhere to go. So they had to, like, have, like, a shelter for them. That's crazy. Which they don't have that ever for Vietnamese people. Yeah. Like, you know, Vietnamese homeless people, it's like, oh, it's not our problem. Yeah, but yeah. for foreigners, they had to make, like, like a homeless shelter, basically. Uh, in District 1, I think it was. Because mm-hmm. I, me- I remember when I was looking at the comments, it was all, a lot of it was Vietnamese people saying, like, that's nice, but why doesn't the government have ever done that for Vietnamese people? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I personally think a lot of them left during, uh, mm. during that, filtered a lot of people out. Yeah. And that's a reason, but also what you first mentioned, as in, if you don't go, it got me thinking of the activated system, I can't remember the name of it, it's like the regular activated system. What's that? Where if you focus on something, uh, it keeps coming up. So mm. I'll use an example, uh, moving to Australia, and suddenly, I went on a date recently, she's moving to Australia. Uh, I went up to a meeting yeah. with a guy, he's moving to Australia. I'll go read a book, Australia will come up. So like, it's almost like, it's always been there, but I obviously pay more attention now it's more pertinent. So maybe that's the thing where if you don't go and you don't if you're not around those sketchy environments, then naturally you won't you'll think, Oh, there's not those people. Maybe right. maybe there are, but you don't see them. Right. 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 There, yeah. right, right. That might be a factor. I don't want to get too iffy dippy about this. But no, yeah. no, no. Um I know what you're talking about, because people mention that on Reddit all the time. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. I had a chat with a guy with friends with at work about something this, something yeah. effect. Yeah. It's like uh I, I, no, I I think I think for for what I'm thinking of is like um, you learn a new word and then or like a like you see see a new country name for the first time and, you keep and then you and then you see it more yes. like it in the next few days yeah, and you're like whoa yeah. what the fuck I've never seen That's this before about, yeah. and then now I see it again and you see yeah. it everywhere yeah and it's really yeah. it's really weird yeah. yeah it's like that uh, I was telling you about this like the other night with like my home area of New Hampshire home state back home where technically as like the highest per capita heroin addicts but like you never really notice that. It's mm. not like they portray it in movies. It's not where they portray it in, like, cities, you know, where, like, people are really in your face. Mm. So for me, like, I never noticed it until I got much older. Like, right before I came to Vietnam, I had some friends who were, like, you know, had been some places and done some things. And all of a sudden, I started seeing, like, oh, yeah, this person who's my boss. Yep, I see it now. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I think that Your boss? Yeah. One of them, yeah. Shit. He kept on calling out sick at work all the time to the point where he had no sick days and no leave time and he was all angry because he couldn't get vacation time. And then, like, I didn't, you know, just, okay, he's calling out sick. Like, I assumed he was, like, getting drunk or something or just had problems. And then the people around me were like, oh, no, 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 you know, he shoots up. At Guitar Center? <laughs> yes, I was going to say the place, but well, yes. I, I mean, it's a huge yeah. corporation. Like, yeah. who cares? Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, and they were like, you know, my the, the customer service manager. 
And they're all like, oh yeah, that's that's what that's why he can't come to work is because he, he couldn't get his fix and things like that. And then you start seeing it everywhere. People like seeing at regular jobs and seem okay, and you're like, oh, I see it now. Yeah. Right, right. You just pick up on these little things. Same thing with like, you know, if you're thinking about something, you're looking at something, it's like you don't notice it until you notice it. That's why Vietnam's so shocking because like your brain can't always compute why mm-hmm. people are the way they are. Yeah, so right. you've been here for a little bit, and then it's like, oh yeah. I see it now, escapism, right. or I see it now, this. Yeah, I, I've met so many people as well, but well, we both definitely have, and I'm sure you will have done too, who um, are always like, oh yeah, fuck this place. It's oh yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not fuck this, it's got this, it's oh, got yeah. this, I'm doing this. Four years later, still in Vietnam. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, there are people, yeah, there are plenty of people that I've worked with also who, who are like super negative, but they've been here for several years. Yeah. And it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, why are you still here? Yeah. If, if you feel that way so strongly yeah. and complain all the time, it must be exhausting. Must that, be, like, yeah, yeah. Your entire day, you're just thinking like, oh, god damn it, oh, fuck. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, just a mi- miserable person. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's 193 countries, like, uh, one other one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's hard for people to change, too. Even yeah, if they hate true. something, it's easier just to complain More about it than yeah, it is to yeah, just yeah. change and try something else, too. Yeah, and I've yeah. certainly fall into that sometimes where like yeah, I've just realized I'm complaining about something and then I think well to actually change this would be really it's not hard because you can just do it but it'll be harder than it's just to be complaining about it. and then you have a decision it's like alright I can either just accept it as what it is and not complain or do something else Yeah, yeah. and a lot of people don't get to that point but yeah. that's what should happen yeah. I've certainly had that where it's like alright you know what I want to change this or you know what I'm complaining about this a lot but I don't really want to change, so I might as well just like let it be. Yeah, yeah. So it's always helpful to think, right, can I actually change this and what does it take to change it? And if it's doable and if it's worth a reward, do it. Well, right, right. If not, stop winching. Right. <laughs> One of the things yeah. too I think I know, especially with newer people coming into Vietnam that are working and they'll complain about something, they want to go somewhere else and they complain about that place too. It's like, you know, certain things, it's not your home country, this is just how it is. And I've certainly seen that kind of aspect with uh, my girlfriend's family's company where like certain things I know like a foreigner would not be able to handle but that's where it's like ah this is just how it is here and to them it's just normal to us it isn't but you know what you just have to accept that you're in another country yeah and it is really annoying but moving to another place or, n- or another job I mean is not really going to fix the things you think it should yeah. and when you go in and try and argue about these points you're even if regardless like the law or legality it's like it doesn't that's not how things are done here. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think just having that awareness that you're coming to Vietnam, it's Vietnam. Like, you're from, say, Britain, America, Ireland, like, it's not going to happen your way. Right. Like, the whole culture is not going to change because of you. <laughs> right. One individual, so, except, even if it is annoying, like, there's some things in Vietnam that really do, um, they have annoyed me, but I've had to accept that they do happen. Some, just even little things, like, um, how a small errand, like, talking on the phone, can turn into a six-people operation. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. No, no, it's literally, I just want this a quick in and out, yeah, 30 yeah. seconds, and yeah, suddenly yeah. there's six people around me. I'm like, I'm cool, I'm not dying, don't worry. Right, right, right. <laughs> Little things, but that's the culture. I right. Have to, yeah, yeah and I, I stayed here for four years, so, you know, I have to put up with it. So. Right. Yeah, I know you've seen it, I've seen where people will be like getting all up in arms about something. And yeah, like when I was first here, I'll be really upset about those things too, but I still don't like it. But I've also come to be like, guys, 
you're not going to do anything. You're just making yourself more worked up trying to change it. And I've seen managers, they'll be like, guys, I understand. I'm on your side. But just so you know, this has happened before. Yeah. Nothing changed. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why my advice for newer people sometimes is some of these things like you can fight all day. It's, it's just the way it is sometimes. Yeah. And if you really don't like it, you can try somewhere else. But to be honest, most of the world is really different from the U.S., the U.K., you know, in the U.S., I think we think of, like, the U.K. is, like, the different place or something. But it's like, no, we have certain types of rules. We have certain kinds of legalities. That's the way it is there. Most of the world doesn't work like that. I completely agree. I'm almost kind of Vietnam, though. If you had to go back then, so 2016 when you arrived, 2018, I think you were here before me, or whenever, what would you say to yourself then that you know now? So is there anything that you would go back and go, make sure you do this or make sure you don't do this? Well, yeah, what I was talking about earlier is, is like, Get a hobby. Find, find a hobby and, and yeah. commit to it. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I like I brought my uh, acoustic guitar from America that, like, my parents gave me um, for my birthday one year, and I brought that here, but then I was hardly ever playing it mm-hmm. until I linked up with Holland and um, Adam, the first member of Coastal Connection. <laughs> from the history, um, the history book. But I wish I'd, I wish I'd just like, you know, from, from day one, all that time that I was just drinking alone, some, many days, just pick up the guitar and like, get on YouTube and start playing more. Or like tennis, I've been super into tennis the last couple of months. I, sh- I should have been playing right when I got here. Um, so that would probably, that would have been my... My biggest advice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Most of the not to copy. I think get into something. Get, yeah, into, get into something. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something yeah. productive. Yeah. yeah. That that kind of changed the game. Like my before and after comeback is my Vietnam thing because I actually did something productive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So suddenly Vietnam suddenly got much much better. Yeah. And it didn't suddenly yeah. get better. Like it was always the opportunity was always there. I just didn't take it because I was too busy on both the end of side. It's yeah. just aimless. Because it's like you're you're living a normal life. Like now I feel like I'm living a normal life. Yeah, I just happen to be in a different country, mm-hmm. but this is my life. It's 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 not weird. This is just me as a human living, as a human doing things I like. Whereas like if you're just drinking and shit all the time, that's not really living. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with that point. Where it's like same thing for me. Once we started the band, it's like now I'm looking back on it. It's like yeah, I was like living like a regular regular life just happens to be a Vietnam yeah which brings up different kinds of things different stresses but overall it's like you're living a more normal life where I think and somehow for whatever reason the catalyst to living that here is to find something you're doing beyond just doing your you know basically ESL teaching and then going and partying and traveling and everything right that's like what everyone comes here for at first and then most people stay in that and that kind of makes it you're really detached. Like the, I've seen people have been here a long time that now are like very detached. Like the, I don't think they could go back home and do like a normal life. Mm-hmm. Well, I could. Because for me, I go to my job, I go to work, I go on vacations once in a while, I party with my friends, basically the same amount I would back home, and right. I have something I'm doing. Somehow having that extra thing ends up being the grounding point for whatever reason that you don't really need back home. Maybe it's because back home. You have to be going to work and have to be, you know, really, really focused. And you have your family back home. Yeah, you have your so family. You have a bigger support system. 
Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. But as I definitely notice now, not to be pretentious or anything, but there's certain times we'll go out and I'll say looking around at people that've been here like either a long time or like getting into that rut, and I can feel like a bigger distance than maybe I did at first. Mm. Whereas for me, I was here like I wasn't like I was partying, but wasn't like partying all the time. But I definitely see like, huh. If I don't change something, I will be that at some point. Mm-hmm. Now I don't. I feel like, no, I'm just going to work, man. I got to work tomorrow. Oh, I'm just doing this, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's my Saturday night. I'm just going out to have some fun for this month. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's very different. Yeah, setting boundaries as well. Like, it's cool to do it sometimes. Like, I still party. We all still do. But knowing that it's not the be all and end all, and it's yeah, not yeah. something to ever revolve your life around, yeah, it's yeah. much better. Yeah. Adding on to what you were just saying, I find myself now connecting more with. Uh, guys who are like in their 30s who are married and have children because I'm, I'm like well this is this is going to be my life in, in the next few years um and these people are stable you know that they work in an international school or they own a business or or whatever and like they're stable and that's what i want to continue mm-hmm. being so I, I connect way more with them than someone who's just been here a couple of years and like teaching it at a center. There's just such yeah. a bit yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel that too. Not with the married and having kids part, but yeah. <laughs> I certainly feel like I can filter out really well now, like, no, like, all right, this person is, like, this type of person mm-hmm. that's actually like, kind of doing something or just a little more grounded yeah, versus yeah, yeah. people that are just, like, I know we're going to be gone in six months. Because yeah. that was hard my first year and a half was getting attached to people and hanging out and having and fun. And everyone just boom, 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 boom. Like, everybody just leaves all the time. Yeah, yeah. But now the people I hang out with don't leave all the time. Mm-hmm. And even the people that I'm meeting, they're new. Like, they're not new, but, like, new to me. I also get that sense they're not just going to be like gone tomorrow kind of thing. Right, right. If they do go, it's because of a very important reason. Whereas before, it's just like any minute now, this person might be out the door. You right, never right. know. Just in, out, in, out. Yeah, like a tourist teacher. Right, yeah. right. And that's another thing, like I've, I've talked to Anne about this, that I've been here long enough where I have, I have like a, a really solid group of friends. Mm. And I, now when I meet new people, I don't really want to become friends with them because <laughs> there, there's only so many people you can sure. be yeah. friends with, right? Yeah. And and going out like because when you're working Monday to Friday, like yeah, I play tennis sometimes in the evenings or we have band practice or whatever. But like you know, I'm not gonna go drink on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So you've got Saturday and Sunday or, or Friday night to like go out and party or or hang out whatever. So like I don't I don't want to keep adding people to the availability list sure, yeah, yeah. of people who could call me and be like hey you want to go out on Friday uh, it's more temptation isn't it not yeah. really yeah, yeah, yeah. well yeah. I think like when we first you first come to Vietnam you don't have anybody you don't have any friends you don't have any support system right. so you have like a lot of people and then a lot of those people leave right. but yeah as you go along you eventually you make that support system basically the same as you would back home. So like getting new friends is because I actually like somebody or because I really want to hang out with someone. Yeah. Whereas when you first come here, it's just like, well, that's all there is, you know, yeah. let's go. You're a bit more, I don't want to use the word needy, but I suppose it kind of filters where you kind of need to make friends if you want friendships. You're mm-hmm. like, right, I need yeah, somebody, yeah, yeah. I need yeah, somebody. Yeah, yeah. But after like four or five years, you're like, I can choose this now. Like, I know the people I want to, I know the characteristics I want, right, I know right. the lifestyles I want, I'll gravitate towards that. And right. the lifestyles that I don't want to, then... You can afford to be pickier. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. In in who you spend your time with. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, choosing who you spend your time with is 
it's a major decision because like we only have a finite amount of time in our lives. So yeah, yeah. Choosing who to be with is a big thing. Yeah. So you don't want to just like rush into different exactly. relationships. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how much of that had to do with both uh, Jeremy and I started out with like ESL jobs where we're teaching in the evening and it was like four nights a week but then also all day during the weekend. So it was a very different dynamic and a very different type of people we got to hang out with too. Right. Versus now the last couple of years we both have felt more grounded, or at least I have and I think it was probably about the same time you did. So that's like about when we started the band like three years ago mm-hmm. and we both were switching over to like daytime jobs. That probably had a lot to do with it too. Yeah, yeah. Some of it. Where it's like, you can't, like, I can't go out on a Monday night. I yeah, can't yeah, just yeah. go out. Yeah. You only have Friday, Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Though, again, in our work, Connor, there are a lot of people that just go straight partying <laughs> yeah. all the time, too. So they still fall into that trap. But yeah. for me, I felt like there was a big difference, healthier shift shifting into mm. like having to work mm. all day. Mm. It's important to set the boundaries where I used to be the guy who thought, well, you only go out on Friday and Saturday, that's tragic. And I would flip mm. it to, oh, like, saving the party is great for a Friday and Saturday because if you're doing it on a Monday and a Tuesday like it's not special right, it's, right. it's an ordinary night right, right. if you're turning it into a hobby and it's not a viable hobby like right, it's right. something you should just do a lot of steam every now and again right. so having those clear bar- um, parameters like Monday, Thursday now I'll do band practice tennis, podcast, football whatever right, right. and then Friday, Saturday sometimes I'll hit it sweet right yeah. and I feel like a lot of what we're saying is just kind of maturing as you get older and should be the natural course of, you know, developing as a human being. But I think when, when you're in a, when you're in Southeast Asia, as a foreigner, like maybe that timeline has shifted a little bit. So mm-hmm. so you're you're not maturing as quickly because you have all these vices. That's like, true. You can easily go out and. Okay, I was gonna say something. I was gonna say something really dirty, but you know, as a man, you can go out and you can get your fix very easily, and like get smashed, do balloons, like do drugs, whatever, and then pop in work at ILA or or <laughs> anywhere the, the US else, or yeah. Yeah. Anywhere else. And you're fine because it's the end of the day. I don't think you can do that in my school, but uh, a lot of places you can just pop in and, and like you're still drunk and teaching your class at 9 a.m. and like nobody gives a shit. Yeah, crazy. Uh, yeah. So you, you kind of are rewarded in a way because you're still getting paid. Yeah, and then that cycle yeah. continues. Maybe it's just that we're normal, and we're going through the like normal <laughs> progression, and then we just the people that were like, oh man, look, they went off the path. Actually, though, though we're normal, and those are the people that just got like trapped in again. <laughs> Maybe that's really what it is. They, they they didn't progress, but we were able. We we did the normal progression. Right, right. It could I think, be, I think yeah. it's like the life hack we did in moving to Southeast Asia when we we're in our twenty early twenties, early to mid twenties. Yeah, because. Jesus, you see like the world at such a young age where you're always picking up where you are in life, what you want to achieve, who you want to spend time with, what you want to do. And you're surrounded with so many different types of characters in a very tempting environment, like right. I say. It's much cheaper to have fun here right. in certain ways, especially if you're a guy, than it is back home. And suddenly you get in this place and the temptation's there. It's like, how are you going to handle it? Like, right. You will probably go too far at points. I think I definitely have. I know a lot of people have. Oh, I definitely did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't regret For it sure. whatsoever, though, because the lessons I learned from it is like, right, okay, I don't want to be doing that going forward. Right. Whilst now, like, occasionally, you know, you go too far, you have too many parties in a row, and you think, right, break now. Well, back in the day, it was just go, go, go. And you'll crush at some point. Right. <laughs> well, I think uh, mentally back home, you can kind of see that, like, if you're doing that a lot, 
it was like at least for my area it wasn't that expensive like it was expensive but it wasn't like it was if I was in a city or like in London or something yeah, uh, you know big city for me it's like you know I could go out and have fun for sixty dollars you know we had our ways and that would be okay to do like a few nights a week but or, or more so in New Hampshire what we would do is you just like we would just get a bunch of beer and we just go back to one of our houses and sit yes yeah, in the field we have a bonfire yeah. eventually at the point i was doing that like four or five nights a week it would just be like we go work out and we go party and have a bonfire and that was a fun time but i feel like you kind of there's a mental note where you know like you know you can't do this forever right yeah like you know like eventually you it's not gonna work whereas here there isn't that barrier Right. People can do that forever, basically, right, right, up right. until the point your body gives out, yeah. right, but right. which happens a lot sooner to some people. Right, but right, yeah. they, you don't feel that mental barrier because you never think you're gonna die. That's the best point, yeah. Right. You are gonna Whereas, crash as well. If you yeah. keep doing something which isn't good for you, you're gonna crash at some point. Whereas back home, yeah. you definitely feel that like, you need to have a job, you need to go to work, mm-hmm. you need There's to feel more paper things. pressure. So yeah. therefore, you have that mental aspect where it is like a barrier where you know like. There's only so much you can do, or you can do this for so long, but eventually you see there's those people that can't, that, you know, that's what happens to you when you, uh, yeah. when you keep going versus eventually you have to like tame it down a little bit. Right, right. And at home people would stop you, whether it be family members, support systems, the place. Right, right. <laughs> your financial situation, right, something right. would stop you right. before it gets, say that there's a line, I know people can't see this, but the line's here, and you're going like, <laughs> people would yeah, yeah, yeah. But here yeah. it's like, no, no one's stopping me. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Yeah, let's exactly. Going yeah, really yeah. Suddenly, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like that guy that worked at ILA, uh, that one of our friends knew. Not to mention the school, you can cut that part off. <laughs> that guy, the guy, that guy oh, worked at it. one of our jobs, uh, our old companies. Uh, he, he like, one of our friends would see him, who also comes to our shows all the time. Thank you. She would see him like outside her apartment building because they were like the same. Oh. And he would be like at seven o'clock in the oh, morning with a tower I was his, of beers. I was his manager. And, and yeah. like in the morning of Saturday, yeah, Saturday morning. Oh, God. And he would just be like pounding these beers. She was like, oh, you know, had, had a late night. He's like, nah, it's my morning. You know, this is just how I go in for the morning. It's like. Unfortunately, I was the one that hired him. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Are there any repercussions for that? No, no, no. Uh, you. you. You can't tell, can you? you can, yeah, yeah. I mean, his hands were shaking in the interview, oh. and he had a gigantic beer stomach. But it's also Vietnam. I feel like back home, it's expected more you notice those things for some jobs, anyways. But I, I did notice, but he had the credentials, and he was really nice. Yeah. So um, Yeah, it's a tough one. Tough one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But... No, sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, no that, was, that was just it, really. It's yeah. just like people, it's like, man, 7 o'clock on a Saturday, starting drinking to get ready to go to school. And he had class at 10. Oh, well, that's a key bit of information. I mean, like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I mean, or no, no, he had, no, he had class at like 7.45. Ooh, so, really bad. So our unnamed friend would be on her way to work, and, you know, he would, he would already be in his work clothes, ready. So he'd just pound these tigers and then get on the grab and, and show up. But th- he needed that to get to the baseline. He wasn't, like, fucked up. He was doing that because he needed it. You know what I mean? Like, he was a very heavy alcoholic. Lesson. Yeah. And somehow I feel like it's a lot harder to pull that off back home, not just with money, but also, like, maybe there is that and we just don't notice it. 
but like kind of what we were talking way back at the beginning of this about noticing things, but I kind of feel like it's a lot harder to get away with that back home than there is here. I don't know if it's because the technicality of the job or what, but it's a lot harder because I know people that like, you know, both my jobs where people go on like, hi. And they're just like, yep, yep, that's what I do before I go into class. Yeah. Whereas I know back at my other job where it was almost like borderline encouraged, it was like, it was fine. But people would be like, yeah, I'm too high to be able to do this job. I got to go home. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think being high, like on weed is a little bit different. Mm. You, you, a lot of people can work. I'm not saying it's ideal, but a lot of yeah. people can do different jobs while they're a little bit stoned. I think it's, uh, it's a very dangerous thing to do, though. You know, if someone is, says, yeah. oh, I'll just do a bit, it'll calm me down. It's like, yo, if you do that, that, so, that that's kind of the early, early signs that this could cause dependence later on. Like, I feel. Yeah. Oh, that. Uh, I, say, yeah. I, hope my, I hope my dad doesn't listen to this. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell a story to you as well when you're done. That, that definitely happened to me when I was in university. I was. I was I was hitting the hitting the reefer a little bit too much and uh the reefer? Yeah 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 the reference. Is that an American thing? I thought Reefer is definitely American. Oh, yeah, like, I've never heard it, yeah. That's what they used to really? call it that's what they used to call it like uh down like in like the black culture down south. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what they would call it was reefer. It wasn't called weed to yeah, like yeah, hippies. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Called reefer for a long, long time. Yeah. There was like Grass. there was like blues songs about reefer. Yeah, yeah. Before like rock and roll and hippies and the yeah, Beatles yeah. Like and everything. Yeah, like fifties or yeah. even earlier. Yeah. Because apparently before the hippies, like you know, weed was like a very like a, a uh, African American thing. Yeah, yeah. It was not really like, like blues and jazz musicians. Yeah, it was only once all of a sudden for whatever reason the hippies decided to get into it and then musicians then it became like everybody did that. But before then it was a very uh, African American thing. Yeah. And I'm pretty yeah I think they called it reefer. Yeah. Well, I know someone did. I think they started it. So anyway, I, I was I was doing a little bit too much of that when I was when I was in school, and I I actually graduated with honors from from a university, but I could have gotten higher honors if I yeah. hadn't done that. Um, you learned from that though. Yeah. It's, yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, I. I now I'm more about the cold ones. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I got magna cum laude on my bachelor's degree. Oh, and, nice. Yeah, uh, I assume it, I assume it so I was lower. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got the magna, and it's like, no one's like, oh, you got magna cum laude as yeah, you're applying for cares. a job interview. Yeah, it's like, do you have a degree? Cool. Yeah, nobody cares, <laughs> nobody cares about that. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, it felt good. I liked it, but, you know, does it really, uh, I, even at like a doctor, doctoral level, you know, if you get like extra honors, again, it's do you have a PhD? Mm. Do yeah. you do you not? Yeah. That's what it really comes down to. Yeah, for sure. It kind of like reminded me of something in the expat scene here. I was chatting with a friend on Sunday night about this that we get put on a pedestal here because we're foreigners. For sure. Yeah. In many ways, in terms of like our salaries are much higher than our Vietnamese co-workers. If you go dating, like the fact that you're a foreigner puts you high, and obviously at home that's nothing. Yeah. Like your nationality is nothing because everyone is. But here it suddenly like elevates you. Yeah. Like yeah. A few steps, and if you're on that way, you you can get an ego. You, I've seen it happen where people will think, oh, I'm a big man here, like they're nothing at home, mm-hmm. but you come here and suddenly like, you're the big shot, <laughs> and then that, that, it gets to you. I, then. I think that correlates uh, quite strongly with guys who are creeps. Yes. Yeah, yeah I'd agree. I'd yes. agree. Yeah, <laughs> I do agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm yeah. at the point of like, um, you could like lose control in terms of like drinking like heavily or doing drugs like shitload, but again, it can tie into that, and that's certainly a line you don't want to cross yeah. yeah well i guess back home maybe back to one of those boundary things too if you're 
usually if you're like, you know, really drinking all the time and like can barely keep your job or not, you know, always flipping, you're not going to do that well in the dating scene. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, that's kind of like blurred over sometimes uh, just because you're a foreigner. Right. Unfortunately, or it's lessened yeah. to a certain extent. Well, then, of course, you get married or something happens, and all of a sudden you go home and you realize, oh, you have nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you try and make that your whole thing. Right, right. You know, for, for us, it's like, you know, where we're open and we're honest, like, you know, this is what we make. You know, we do pretty well here, but, like, you know, this is our level back home, too. We're much more open, but I think some people are led to become a big ego thing that, you know, make it seem like they're a real big shot here because of how much they make. But then when they go back home, oh, you're not a big chef back home. Right, At right. least here for us, we're just like, we're just normal guys. Yep. Right. We keep it on the chill. Right, right. Yeah, like most of, most of my friends and my close friend group back home, they're at the point where they're buying houses. Like nice houses. Like I'm not even close to that with my financial situation. So that, that also puts me in check. Because uh, mm. I, I see them doing that and I'm like, well, yeah, sure, I have a great lifestyle here, but, like, on a world scale, it's it's just very normal. Yeah. So, like, mm, I, don't, I don't have any ego about my salary at all. Yeah, me too. I yeah. feel the same way. I guess because I have that strong family connection, too, where I'll be looking back. It's like, you know, I'm very happy here. I can sometimes, some of my apartments be, like, showing off, like, yeah, check it out. I got, like, two apartments just to, like, joke around. Or not two apartments, but, like, two bedrooms and everything. Mm-hmm. That I know my family couldn't afford back home, but at the same time, the you know fam like my niece just went and bought like a, a like a house like a for rental units. So she has like four rental units and everything. And she's like five years younger than me, mm. and so it's like oh man, I'm not even close to be able to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that that's one of those things that keeps me in check too. When I'll talk to Angie about it, but like you know like. I gotta be able to move on beyond certain things too, and but this is where we're at now. Right, right. We're doing really well here, right. but you know we want to make sure we're doing lo- good on like a world level too. Right, right, right. Larger yeah, that's level. why it's good to save, uh, which I think a lot of people don't don't do here. Yeah. I think that goes back into the general attitude that we've been talking about mm, with, yeah, with yeah. people who are just kind of like uh, a little bit too loosey goosey with, with their life plan. You know, like yeah. long term, it's all about like instant gratification, yeah, kind of thing. A lot of instant gratification here yeah. because you're at a higher level. You're basically at like a, you can come over here at what 22, 23, and be at like a middle class, even almost upper middle class yeah. income oh, for sure. right yeah. off the bat. Like yeah, you're yeah. doing really quite well. But if you ever think about going home, you ever thinking about like the bigger picture, like eventually at a certain point, you're pretty much stuck. Either you have to start and go back a bit. Or you have to learn something new, exactly, yeah. or you have to, you know, you have to push yourself a little bit yeah, to yeah, yeah, do yeah. that. And uh, I'm definitely getting to that point now where I'm have to think like, all right, you know, we have to think about things, not necessarily leaving Vietnam, but certainly thinking about the bigger picture too. Yeah, uh, yeah, same. Yeah. And then also for me, uh, you know, my girlfriend's family, they have a lot of very wealthy friends, and once you sort of see that, like. There's there's middle class and then there's like what's above that is a huge gap for like the people that actually own apartments and own houses and things. Mm. It's like a whole other level. And that's where that cutoff comes like a lot of ESL teachers, like it's very hard to get to that level. Right, right. right. Because there's not that scaling that right, there is right. back home where you can move up, you can do different things. Here, you know, you start out really well. Boom. Baseline start. Not that much difference between like the lower level pays and the higher level pays. Right. 
and so that you can live a good life. But then when you're thinking about like, oh, let's buy a house or something, you're like, oh, that's a uh, you know, it's nine billion VND for this apart this house you want to buy or something. Right. You know, it's a whole other scaling yeah. level, um, which isn't impossible, but it's definitely something to think about too. Yeah, yeah. And you see like some expat business owners, so they're not in ESL, they own a restaurant or whatever, and like their apartment is the same quality as my apartment. Yeah. And they, they own a very successful business yeah. that's packed every night, packed every weekend, yeah, yeah. you know, a hundred customers at one time, like, you know, maybe a thousand customers per day, yeah. drinking beers and, and getting food and stuff, and their apartment is like the same as my apartment, yeah. and, and it's like, okay, well... I'd rather just teach. <laughs> exactly. Like they basically, a lot, a lot of those guys, and we definitely uh, work with quite a few of them, and I met a few of them, and I think that's awesome. But they work very hard to get to a point where they can make the same as like a, a teacher, basically. Right, yeah, yeah. Whereas you know the Vietnamese business people that actually go beyond that, that's like a whole other level. When you're working in real Vietnamese businesses and the type of things that they own, that's a very different mindset and different way of working. And uh, very hard to get to. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think it depends on what you want, though, because I feel like a few people will start teaching, realize okay, it's okay, or mm. they'll hate it. Like it's mm. not for me. And then I think if you're in that boat, do your business, but be aware of the the, the pros and cons, shall we say? Yeah. But I still think it's nice to do something different if you're not, say, motivated by teaching. Yeah, yeah. We've met people oh, yeah. before who like weren't suited to teaching. We all have. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I meet them weekly. <laughs> and it's and it's not something I want to personally do for the rest of my life. For sure, I, I don't want to do it for the rest of my life. But yeah. it's, it's pretty good at the moment. Like it's pretty cushy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like for what you're actually doing versus the salary and benefits you get. Yeah, it's pretty fucking good. Like in yeah. America, health insurance is like not very common to get with your work. You usually have to buy it for yourself, and that's a huge cost to have mm -hmm. in your yep. monthly expenses. But here, every school, even like cheap-ass language centers, will give you health insurance. Yeah. So like the benefits are pretty solid. Kind of on that same point, too. In the U.S., as you move up through life, like there's just so many expenses compared to, I'm sure it's the same in the UK, yeah. what, compared to like here where everything is just packaged together or done mm. for you. So I was just shocked. I'm like, oh, I'm living my own for the first time. It was easier living my own in Vietnam than it was living at home in the US. It was like my wa like water bill, there's no water bill. Or, or if it it's is, like it's like, it's like yeah, yeah, and, and it's yeah. included <laughs> in the regular bill in my first apartment, yeah. the water, the electricity, and then the actual rent and everything's just packaged all together. It's like, there you go, it's all mm. done. Whereas back home, you have to find, you know, basically your own electricity, your own water, right, right. your own, yeah. you know, place to live. Then you have to get, you know, in some places rental insurance as well as, you know, housing insurance, car insurance, and then have a car. Right, it's like all right. these things that you have to do basically on your own. And the phone bill too, which I it's still don't even, I don't even understand how the phone bill works here. It was like, mm -hmm. I don't know, so I haven't cheap. paid for my Moby phone, phone uh, uh, SIM card in a long time. Yeah, and I'm like... When are you gonna charge me? When are you gonna ask me for a bill? I just keep getting more data. It's fine. And like whenever, whenever, whenever it says it's out, I just buy more data, and there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. And it's like dirt cheap. Whereas back home, you have to have like a monthly plan. You have to be paying for it. You have to be attached to provider. Yeah. You know, it's a lot more things. That would be a growing pain if I go back one day, trying to like learn that where I probably should have already learned those things now. Yeah. 
that will be something that's going to be very different. Definitely. Right. Which, <laughs> everything is so easy here, man. Yeah. That's the, that the trap. It's a very convenient lifestyle. So con- it's actually why I'm leaving. I'm leaving because of how com- comfortable and convenient it is. Yeah. Which sounds like weird. Because as I'm saying, I'm like, it's just so easy, so comfortable, so convenient, it's amazing. That's exactly why I'm leaving. And I'm like, fuck. Like, I want to have that struggle. Like we've spoken about earlier with um, mm. growing pains and testing it in a country that you do have to really look out for what you spend, what you do, really kind of bend for yourself. I'm excited mm. to do that. I'm mm. excited for something completely different because it can get too... As we've seen it spoken, kind of alluded to people here who get in that trap of being here six, seven years because they don't want to take that step. Mm-hmm. The way because it's sort of like lay down, you don't want to get up. <laughs> it's like the analogy I'd use is being like laid down on a really cold winter's morning. Like it's really fucking cold and it's like, I don't want to get out of bed, I'll just stay here all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, exactly. you've got to rip off the covers and do it. It's fucking hard though. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah. I guess that would be my advice for someone who's been here for a while and doesn't have anything really tying you down. You don't have like a hobby, you don't have like a, a girlfriend or a wife or something. Probably don't get too comfortable and try somewhere else just to get through, you know, learn yeah. something new, try something new. Mm-hmm. If you're not doing those things because you do need those growing, you know, those growing pains too. You can always come back as like, well. Like, Vietnam's always going to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Try somewhere near wherever, maybe Thailand. It's apparently Thailand's the same. But hey, let's just try that. Yeah. <laughs> Thailand, Indonesia, Spain, Italy, Germany, Australia, wherever suits you, just try it. Yeah, yeah. Kind of on that point too, though, I think it's the same back home though where people get stuck in their rut and they aren't willing to progress themselves anyways. It's just easier to do it here, whereas there's more repercussions if you don't do that back home. It's more like in your face. Whereas here, because you can make a lot of money, it's easier to ignore those things. But back home, I think the people do the same thing. They don't, most people are not willing to get out of bed when it's really cold. They're just like, well, you know, it's good enough here. I'll just stay. Even if they complain about it every day, they're not going to do something to change. But I know people back home, my friends, that like, they're doing the same thing they were doing five, seven, eight years ago. Nothing's changed. Doing the same thing. Right. Yeah. What, what's it like for you two when you've gone home? Because I've not done it yet. And I'm just not going to do it until That's next That's crazy. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. I'm not like, yeah. So the first time I go home, I'm pretty sure it's going to be next summer. I'm going, I'm planning on going to Germany for the football tournament, Euro 24, see England win it, hopefully, and then go to England. So first time will be after five years. I don't know what to expect. What have been your experiences when you've actually gone home after spending time here? Well, so I was just home in February, oh, so, okay. so not too long ago. Um, it's always a little strange, to mm-hmm. be honest. Um, the f- the first time, so I, I've been I've been home many times, like seven, I think seven times since I've been here. Um, maybe even eight. <clears throat> the first time I went back was the first time, first year that I was here in 2016. I went home for Christmas, uh, and that that was really nice. And I felt I actually felt like I was going home. But then the next time that I went home, it felt like I was kind of going to a foreign place. And then I came back to Saigon, and like in the taxi from the airport, I was like, ah, oh, feels good. Like now, now I feel like I'm back home. Mm. Yeah. So it kind of it, it shifted, yeah, it shifted, yeah. And now it's a little, it's always a little bit weird. I mean, I love spending time with my family and and friends. Um, and Anne has been able to go with me four times, so that's been really good. But uh, yeah, I feel kind of not so American. I feel more like a just like a general human who happens to be American, yeah. rather than like 
a full-on American-American. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, like, not, not many... None of my friends have lived in another country for an extended period of time. So it's kind of hard for them to relate to my experience. Yeah. Well, they also haven't met, like, you know, people back home. They haven't met people from the U.K. very much. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, younger yeah, people yeah, our age. That's another thing. They haven't yeah. met someone from the U.K. They don't know people from South Africa or, like... Like when I say, oh, I'm, you know, a lot of my friends are from South Africa. They're like, oh, how can they teach English? Don't they speak like some African language? You know? And I'm just like, no, like a lot. <laughs> they speak English. That's their main language, or one of their main languages there. You know? Yeah. Uh, you, they they don't they don't have that experience. So I definitely feel the same way too. Where it's like, being American now for me is memories, my hometown, and my passport. It's not, not necessarily right. like. The whole package anymore, right, right. as maybe once was once was. I feel like uh, an enlightened American. I've seen other parts of the world. Like I was shocked when my first year teaching, and I found out that you know some people in the rest of the world pronounce Z as Z. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I never even heard of that. And that's where yeah. I realized that some countries and some parts of the world have a bit more of like a bigger world view of like how things are done mm-hmm. very differently mm-hmm. whereas in America it's like this is it right. you know bam there you go yeah. I only learned the metric system because of sports that's it some sports require the metric system that's right, all right. I know I mean I learned it in school but I don't actually ever use it so today I was at the doctor's and he was like oh how tall are you and I knew he wanted centimeters I'm like I, I don't know yeah. he's like alright how much do you weigh I'm like I don't know <laughs> oh, dude, you should know that. I, I should, but I have all of a sudden weighed my. I haven't weighed myself in a long time, and I I was on the spot and tired. But uh, normally I know, but still, it's just one of those things where it's like you know we don't we don't really ever learn about things outside of America in that way. Sometimes, or for most people, mm-hmm. anyways. But I was the same as you to get back to the main point where like uh, my first year I went home. Uh, right after Christmas, so I couldn't get the time off for Christmas, so I went like for three weeks after Christmas, and that felt like I was going home, but then my next time going home was three years later, because I've been here for almost five years now, so I went home like a year ago, so three years later, and there I felt really weird, like certain things, and also like the things that would excite me normally, I was just like, it's alright, you know, it's whatever, the main thing I was there for my family, and that's where I was like, that's what I missed. It was like my family and certain aspects of being back home too. It was, and I was there for a longer period of time. I had to stay for three months before I could come back in with my new job. So I was there for three months. And after a while, I definitely feel like, yeah, I'm very, you know, I feel like I'm back home. Like a certain level of tension was gone. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, once I actually arrived in Vietnam, immediately I was like, oh yeah, I'm home now. Yeah. This feels like home. Home shifts. Yeah. yeah. I love the like. I- I think I've spoken to you both about this before. I've heard Americans before go, oh my god, they went so far. They went to Texas or Alabama or they're from this Florida or they're from Georgia. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. still America. <laughs> like in my head, I'm like, it's the same country. Yeah. Yeah, same country, but it's just, it's just so massive. Yeah. Uh, you, you mean like moving? Like moving from one state to another? Either moving, yeah, or just say meeting people. I would go, I met someone from Texas. That, yeah, that's true. We, we, um, sometimes I'll meet people from like well, California, like, yeah. like one or two people from California was in the US. I met more people from California living in Vietnam than I did yeah. when I was in New Hampshire. Yeah. And sure, that would yeah, be yeah, weird. Yeah. I was like, whoa, yeah. you're from New California. It's like, like another world. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that part of the country is like another world. You know, it's a totally different way of living. Right. Like when I went to Arizona, the only thing that felt normal to me compared to New Hampshire was going inside Walmart because it was exactly the same. Yeah. 
Everything else yeah, is totally yeah. different. We're going to like fast food. Yeah. Or it's going to be the same. That was one of the great things about America that you can stay within the country and move to a totally different Whoa. country, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Lot, lots cool. of different, like, uh, yeah. especially with the natural environments. Like, mm. we have, we actually have rainforests in Oregon. We have tundras, we have plains, we have swamps, we have, uh, like, pine forests, we have mountains, we have desert, we have, like, every type of environment. So that's pretty cool. Um, very diverse. But, yeah, going, yeah, staying on the main point, it, uh, it feels it feels odd going home. Good, for sure. Yeah. And like in February, I, w- I went without Anne. I just went alone. And that was very weird. Like I missed her a lot. And yeah. it, it, felt, it felt strange not having her there. Uh, and just like spending a lot of time doing nothing. Like hanging out with my dad, watching baseball, mm. just talking about random stuff. Yeah. Um, it's very, especially in South Carolina, it's a very slow pace pace of life. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, it's pretty fast. Yeah. Especially since we're we got a band and playing sports and whatever, like a lot of my time is occupied. So when you go home, then you're not doing much. That's also weird. But mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's part of traveling. I suppose yeah. so. I've met friends yeah. like from the UK who they they go home and then they just be like at home all day, literally at, in the house watching yeah, yeah. TV, just waiting for their friends to finish work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. just like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. What can I hear? Like, I didn't fly across the world to watch Jeremy Kyle. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, soap yeah. opera. That, that was like yeah. kind of like me too when I was at, at home. Like the first couple of weeks were really exciting, and after a while, it's like, all right, I'm just waiting for my friends or my. Fan, you know, brothers and sisters come back from work. Yeah. You know, my dad, I just go do yard work, which was very enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the snow. <laughs> Chopping wood and everything, but I enjoyed it. Shuffling like the driveway. Getting induced, yeah, I just go and do stuff, you know. But because uh, my girlfriend also wasn't with me the both times, but the second time. First time, we weren't really together yet. The second time, she had to stay. Because it was like the end of COVID, so it was like everything was weird. And I had to go back to my sister's wedding. So that was very difficult, but she was here and I was there and we didn't know when I'd get to come back again. Yeah. But or like if, but at the same time we're like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be alright. Took three months. I was told it's gonna to take one month, but it took three months. Which I kinda of expected, but yeah. I was there and it was really enjoyable but at the same time it was really good when I got back. It was like felt like, Yep, everything's back to normal now. You know what's fucked up with that though? Mm. The, the, when you were in America trying to get back now it's come out that there's like dozens of people who are in the government who have been arrested for selling flights to come from mostly for Vietnamese citizens who are living abroad to come back into Vietnam during the COVID so like all of that shit should have been avoided and you shouldn't have had to wait but they were selling these flights at massive massive scale yeah and making fucking bank. They were making millions of dollars off of this. And then now they've all been arrested. But it's like... Surely, this was pretty obvious when it was happening. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I don't, I, I don't know enough about the system here of why now they're getting arrested. Because obviously, people knew this was happening when yeah. it was happening. Yeah. Like, when a flight ticket cost $10,000... And someone in the government has to approve it, and then where does that ten thousand dollars go? Like it was pretty fucking obvious when it was happening, but then only now are people getting arrested for it. Crazy man. So like that should have never happened. You should have been able to go to that wedding, spend a few weeks with your family, and then come right back. 
Yeah, it's like COVID was like over at that point, like kind of over, but it was still like they still cared about the paperwork, but the actual like restrictions had just ended when I left. You know, bars weren't quite open yet. They opened like two weeks after I was gone, basically. Mm, yeah. But like, yeah, it took a long time to get. I remember the era. I actually quite enjoyed October to December twenty twenty one. Was one of my favorite Saigon eras because it was like Saigon's back. Mm-hmm. It was like the, I spent three months yeah. just in that room and it was Jesus. <laughs> it was yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I, I remember thinking I'll do stuff I wouldn't normally do. I'll drive along Trong Sa. I'll fly to D. I'll fly to D seven. <laughs> I would fly over to D seven. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, to be have like the freedom to go around and move around and everything and to yeah. go and do things. Like when I came, because I left when it was just kind of starting, it hadn't really happened yet. Yeah. And when I came back and everything was open, it's like, oh my god, this feels so good. Yeah. I feel like just go and do what I want to do. And like, I, it's been so long since we could really, truly like be free yeah. that it was, it was just a strange feeling. And then, like, a little while ago, we got an email saying, like, oh, make sure you wear your mask. COVID might be coming back. Yeah. I mean, you can cut that out if you want. But uh, when it came, <laughs> I, I don't know when we cut out here. But when it oh, came, when, it, when it came out, I, I, all of a sudden, this anxiety hit me that I didn't expect to hit me. I'm like, oh, my God, no. It's going to happen again. You don't, you don't yeah. want to hear that, do you? Like, like, it was just such a, like, a, a dead feeling inside. Where it's just like, Are you talking about recently? Yeah, like oh, yeah, a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. You know, yeah. I had to the COVID scare recently, but I wasn't scared. As in, like, I, I thought I had COVID, I had a virus, and then I tested, and I was like, no, I'm fine. But I wasn't worried even if it was positive, because I just stayed at home for three days into bed. Yeah. When, when we were in Monet for the um, Joe's Cafe gig a few weeks ago, I probably had COVID, because I had a pretty bad cold, and I felt really terrible the day of our gig. Um, thankfully, I was able to, like, rally. I took a nap and a shower, and started drinking beer, and that, like, <laughs> that, that, that got me... That got me into it, but um, it's like you know at this point, what's the difference between a cold and, and COVID? Like a normal cold that you have throughout your whole life mm-hmm. versus COVID. I'm not I'm not gonna test anymore. Like if I feel like I have a cold, unless I lose my sense of smell or mm. taste, which is like a common symptom. Yeah, actually, you know what? No, I'm not going to test. Have you actually lost your sense of taste? No, that hasn't happened to me, but that happened happened to my friends. It happened to me when I've had COVID four times. And trust me, I wore a mask. I I got it one of the times. We were in lockdown. It was in my house. Like, I don't know how you get this, but uh, one of the times, it was actually when I was back home, which, like, everyone back home was getting COVID all the time. And they just said, whatever, you know, it just happens. And when I got COVID... The sense of smell part doesn't go away and the taste doesn't go away until after your symptoms. Like, you don't feel like you have a cold anymore. As soon as the cold is gone, then, for me, I all of a sudden couldn't taste anything. Mm-hmm. When I had COVID, like, it had the, you know, symptoms where I felt really sick. Mm-hmm. I, I just felt like I had a really bad cold. It was after the symptoms were gone. Then, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I can't taste anything. I feel fine, I just can't taste anything. Right. And I'd be really tired, too. That was very strange. That's when I know I have COVID now. It's like a very distinct feeling for me. But at the same time, I've had it so many times. It's like, oh, whatever. <laughs> I've had it twice. Yeah, twice. Just a one. Well, to my, twice knowledge, that I to my knowledge, I've had one. Yeah. yeah. I reckon I've had it again, to be honest with you. I think I may have had it in mm. Monet. Um, it's a bad cold. That's what I, it basically feels like. I hope that... No, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. No, no, I'll say it. I was, gonna, I, was, I was gonna say I hope that this really rude woman who was in the limousine 
uh, van that we took to Moinet. I hope she got it for me. <laughs> I know the one you're talking about now. She, oh. said, she said, so... Me a limousine. And, uh, well, it's called a limousine, you know. Uh, it's those vans. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. like the really nice seats. We got a limousine, inside, we got a limo all the way to Moine. <laughs> Joe, Joe paid for a limo for us. <laughs> so like me and me and Holland were sitting next to each other and, and Anne was on the other side in the we were in the far back of, of the van. Uh, so we we're just having normal volume conversation. Like we we're talking now. We weren't speaking loudly, we weren't getting excited, whatever. But there was a, a dad with his little boy right in front of Holland. And then there's a woman in the far front. And she turned around and she said to Anne, she was like, Chi Chi and then she was like, Nook why something something, Nook why like foreigners, mm. foreign people. So she was I, I heard that part. So she was saying basically tell the foreigners to stop talking so loud. Hmm. Because and then we found out later that was her son that was in front, but he never woke up. He was sleeping the entire time. So we'll, why? Why did he only woke to up for five that? minutes at the beginning of the trip to throw up in a bag yeah. and then hand it to the mom? <laughs> and the mom on the front of the bus that just oh tosses out the window in traffic, just throws his trash bag full, throw up out the window. No problem, not a big deal. He just tossed a bag of puke out the window. Oh, wow. and then and then he slept and put his feet on quad the rest of the time. Yeah, his feet were like all over. <laughs> Jesus. This kid was too big to not have his own seat. He was like four or five at least. He could have had. He should have had his own seat. Yeah. They're too cheap. So they put him on his lap. Yeah. But yeah. I, well, one thing on that too. I feel like maybe it's a. I don't want to say a cultural thing, but I've had like Angie tell me a few times. They like, only oh, talk so loud and everything. You know, I'm talking like a normal way. Mm. That maybe just perce- perceptually, from a Vietnamese point of view, foreigners sound really loud. Where to us. You know, whenever they say that, it's like all these Vietnamese people talking are really loud, like shouting on the phone. So maybe it's just like we sound like that to them, and they sound like how they do to us. Maybe, maybe. uh, I'm sure there is a perception aspect, but you can scientifically measure the decibel level of people talking. And the Vietnamese teachers in my office are very loud. Never mind. They're very loud. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think the Vietnamese are loud as I always find it like this might sound bad, but when they speak, I always find it it sounds aggressive. Even if it's like uh, MO what's the time. Like the way they say it, like whatever that is in Vietnamese, the way it's said, like it sounds so brutal. I'm like, is this an Oh yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I used to think that but I think it really depends on the on the people. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. Like there are a lot of people that I've met who are quite soft spoken. So it, I think you are right sometimes, but yeah. I think it also people from the north have a much more aggressive sound. Yeah, I did actually. Yeah, they are more that, aggressive and they speak a lot more aggressively <laughs> too. And so sometimes there are a lot of northern, you know, people from Hanoi living in Saigon, so that comes out too. Yeah, yeah. Whereas most people that are really from Saigon are found a pretty, you know, soft-spoken. Normal. Yeah, yeah. Big time. Tons. Cold ones, cold ones. Oh yeah, yeah. Let me, let me grab. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, in the the room. Nice. I'll need a I'm gonna turn the, I'm gonna turn the light on. Yeah. Getting quite. Oh, yeah, you can do. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. It's my problem. Yeah. Hey. Sounds like we're in a crafty house. What about those lights? Well, that's cool. But we only need these ones. Okay. Uh, still the sun outside. 
Oh, yeah, I forgot we got these, um, yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, I went to Winmart, because I was going to go to GS25, but the way I came, I looked on the map, and it's like, oh, it's faster not to go through, like, the main part of here, but to go around the loop part. Right, right, but then right. as I was going, I realized, oh, shit, there's not a GS25 or a Circle K on this way. There was just that Winmart, it's, like, down the street from you, a little bit past yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I just had to go there, but not a lot of choice for uh, drinks. What's your favorite... Supermarket, not supermarket, like mini stop, family mart, circle K, GS25. Yeah, GS25. GS25 I will say some GS25s not very good. When they're good, they're very good. Like so many, they're so so hit and miss with so many of them, like how they stock them. Mm -hmm. But there's one near Angie's work that we go to, like Mm -hmm. basically every night when I pick her up, we come back. You know, she's been working for eight hours, seven hours after dinner, so we'll go and like get something to eat or something. Or like drinks we'll get there. Nice. It's a good one right yeah. there. GS25 is really good. Yeah. yeah. I love in Vietnam the variety of places you can go to for like a, a, a drinks. Like you can go to it and Yao, I think it's called. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Drink on the side of the road. Well, yeah. Go yeah. outside GS25. You can also go to Tao Dien. You can go to Boi Vien. Like there's places everywhere. Yeah. 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 And I'm from a small town and Holland's from a small town too. So uh, like... It's insane. Oh, yeah. The, tra- the fact that we can go at like 2, choices. 3, 4 a.m. in the morning and go and like, oh, let's get some more drinks and go home or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or and just go into like, you know, a Circle K because back home, those are like basically like truck stops. They're not just truck stops. Or gas they're like, yeah, they're gas stations. Yeah. You're usually, and they're very limited with what they have. It's not very good. Mm. And so for us, like, if I want to go and buy beer, I have to go buy as much as I want for tonight. At right. the supermarket mm-hmm. and stand in line going through it and everything. Yeah. Right, right. We don't really use, you know, Circle K's and that kind of stuff in the mm-hmm. same way. Right. That's like if you're getting gas, you go into Circle K. Right. When but I lived in Tanfu, we'd have like a big like we'd all be like drinking in the apartment. Mm-hmm. And it's like two AM we'd run out of beers. Right, I'll go get some. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just yeah, pop, yeah. pop to the shop. Yeah, yeah. 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 Ooh, Cheers. Cheers, yeah. gentlemen. Toilet break. Uh, you two can take the podcast in whatever direction you wish in my absence. <laughs> Alright, welcome to uh, Cold Ones with Holland and Jeremy. Yeah, uh, we're going to be discussing politics today. No, no, we're going to discuss Trump today. <laughs> no. No, I was th- no, I was thinking more about the um, what you are saying. Uh, in South Carolina, there's there's the laws about... Some places don't have any more. Like my hometown changed the law. But in a lot of states have it's not buying beer on Sunday, which is fucking crazy. Like it's that way in Massachusetts, which is why New Hampshire, we have all these liquor stores and and beer stores right near the border. Because people on Sunday, the one they want to drink, will right. come from Massachusetts, drive up New Hampshire, and buy their alcohol and then go back. Right. But we also cut it off at eleven. Yep. So if you walk in like a Circle K at eleven, you can't buy a beer. Right. Even though it's like right there. Which is just so, so strange. It's just puritanical bullshit. Yep. And yeah. it's so weird being here. Yeah, well, yeah, it's just weird being here where we can just get whatever we want, whenever we want, all night long. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Which is one of the, that's one of the things I really do love about it. I don't feel it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm at 3 o'clock in the morning and I need something to eat, I can get something to eat. Right. If I want to get a drink, I can get a drink. Right. Things just, they run all night. Right. Because that was so weird when I took my Celtic course. And I went to, uh, I was going into Boston. And the first time I decided, you know what, I should take the train. I want to drive to Boston. It's like an hour long train ride. Mm. It was miserable because I just stopped and go and stopped and go. I hated it. But one of the things I thought is like, oh, after the class ends at 9, I'll just go get something to eat. Boston's completely shut down 
after nine o'clock. Like mm. everything, bars, restaurants, was shut down at nine, except on Friday night and Saturday, mm. which are the two days I was like not there basically. But that's like it's crazy pure, for a big city. I'm sure it's still very like uh, from the Puritans. Yeah. They still have a lot of rules about like you can't buy alcohol on Sunday. They don't do not want bars open basically except for Friday and Saturday. Right. That's it. Sounds really so. religious. Is that religious? It's all it, based on religion. It's uh, not also. very religious now. Yeah. However, Boston was founded by the Puritans, who were like religious group coming from England, and they came over as they literally wanted to make a perfect religious society. That was their goal. And they were too hardcore, very for, hardcore for England, so they left to go do their own thing in a new land. Like they were way more conservative than the already super conservative Church of England. Yep. And they were like, oh, we want to do our and insane they, shit. They basically in invented place. what would become like communism pretty much, where the very first year they said, anything you make, anything you grow is like putting a communal group and then we like split it up amongst us. And then they found out people were not trying very hard to make anything. They got rid of that. They did that and they had like, like you had to go to church. And that's also where like the uh, Salem witch trials happened. That's like 20 minutes away from Boston, 30 minutes, not very far from my house. Uh, but that's where like the Salem witch trials happened, where it was like really just really religious stuff. And if you li- if you read like a lot of the original, like the early American writers too, from like you know 1700s, early 1800s, like Nathaniel Hawthorne, and it's all very religious. Like if you do not know the Bible you will not really be able to understand what they're talking about because mm. they'll keep making mentions of the Bible. And that's like just how it was. Right. It's not, not many people in that secular church now, but somehow the rules still apply from how it was like 300 years ago. Yeah, that's a weird thing. It's like all these different like laws are based on religious concepts from a long time ago that most people don't really agree with. Exactly. But yeah. the lawmakers themselves are quite conservative. And so they keep it going. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about like it in my hometown. This just changed a few years ago, but like my whole life, you couldn't buy beer on Sunday. Even in restaurants. So like five years ago, they changed the rule so you could you could go to lunch, and then order a beer, but you couldn't go to the um, gas station where there's a bunch of beer and wine sitting there, but you can't buy it. So you can only have it in the restaurant at a high, you know, marked up price, but, but you can't go buy it at a store. And then they just changed it, I think, uh, like two or three years ago, where you, now you can buy it from stores on a Sunday, but not liquor. So liquor stores are not open, but you can go buy beer and wine from, from like a supermarket or a, a gas station convenience store. So we're like kind of the opposite where we never had the Sunday thing, or at least not in my lifetime, but, you know, you can't buy it after 11. However, the liquor stores stay open, I think, till 12. So you can buy liquor later than you can beer, because the beer is like going to be sold in supermarkets or uh, like gas stations. So you can buy beer up until 11 and then you're cut off. Liquor, though, buy whenever you want, basically. And when we had a huge snowstorm maybe like seven years ago, eight years ago, like big enough that like you were not allowed to go on the roads. If you were on the road, they would like pull you over and send you home basically. But then the governor had to come out and make an announcement and say, listen, the liquor stores will remain open. (laughs) So you could walk to the liquor store to get it if you wanted. Because New Hampshire, when we have a big snowstorm, the things that go first 
beer goes first from the grocery store, toilet and paper. then toilet paper, and yeah. then water. Because yeah. a lot of people have their own pumps, like we do. We have our own well and our own pump, where right. if the electricity goes out, we don't have running water. Right, right. Uh, or the pipes are frozen. Yeah, or, or the pipes freeze, too. Yeah. So those are, but those are three things to go first. Like, literally, if there's a day before, you know, a big snowstorm's coming tomorrow, you go to the grocery store, all the beer's gone. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a completely different world, because, like, from the UK, I really don't get any of this. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what? So if you, for some reason, really wanted a beer on a Sunday, you'd either have to go to a restaurant or stock up the night before or go to another town. Well, then imagine driving to another town just to get a beer. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, you'd, like, you'd have to collect the beer, you couldn't drink or drink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because in South Carolina, it, it's, like, by county. So the, so the county in my hometown... Um, change the rules, change the law, so you can buy beer on Sunday. But there are plenty of other counties who have kept the Sunday thing, so you can't go into a store and buy beer mm. on a Sunday. You can only go to a restaurant. I think it's everywhere you can now go to a restaurant, but, like, why should you be forced to go to a restaurant and buy an $8 beer that mm. costs a dollar from the store? Exactly. When I was first, I first started with ILA, there was someone there who was also doing like the training course with me, and she was she was from Vietnam, but grew up in France her whole life, so she would say she speaks French, but both her parents were from Vietnam, and she was an English teacher, and she was saying like, oh yeah, I went and like studied for one year like in the U.S. and everything. I'm like, oh, what'd you think? It's like, well, I really like the U.S., but it's very very religious. I never really thought about it until I'm thinking about like the outside perspective. Like, yeah, there's a large part of it there, like weirdly religious. It's not necessarily that that many people are. are, I mean, there are a lot of people that are. But it's that the laws are very religious in a lot of parts. Like where Jeremy's from is like in the Bible Belt is what they call it. Which is like, that's where the people are out there preaching to like thousands of people and like they they put on TV and everything. My hometown was like the original like really religious area. It's not anymore, but the rules still apply. But now it's like a super, a very liberal state. However, for whatever reason, a lot of the rules are at this point just tradition. It's like that's just what we're gonna do, but that's what we do. It's very strange. Yeah, this is like I can't believe religion has that much power, like in the modern day and age. Oh, dude. Uh, well, it's not just America, though. I mean, no, true, true, true. Yeah, yeah. Islam controls a ton of countries. Yeah, it's universal. Yeah, yeah. I think like I can see it for some matters, like we're making like certain laws, like thou shalt not kill, etc. But when it's like getting beer on a Sunday. I think, like, come on. <laughs> well, that, and that kind of shit has no, has no biblical basis. Hmm. It's just a way to control people yeah. in, in the way that one small group of people wants to control other people. Hmm. Like, it, there's no basis in the Bible for that. Like, the Bible, as far as, like, drinking and, you know, doing drugs, whatever, basically just says, do everything in moderation, which is, like, one of my... Life ten, life ten like to, yeah, you, you know, you can you can smoke weed, you can drink, you can do whatever, just do it in moderation as yeah. long as it doesn't That's end key, up yeah. hurting you. That's the key word, moderation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and the Bible pretty much says that. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is just like, love everybody, do everything in moderation, treat people well, and then all these fucking psycho people have taken that and completely thrown it out and mm-hmm. just been like, I want to control everything. Yeah. I want to control like, your behavior. I never understood how we can have one Bible for like 50 different versions of churches. Like, how does that work? Like, <laughs> yeah. how does that work? 
it's, it's just the Bible, and if you read it, that's what it says. Like basically, the Bible or the religious texts of most most religions pretty much say the same thing. It's if you hone in on like certain things very yeah, specifically, yeah. then it says something different. But for the most part, in their essence, they all pretty much say the same thing. Treat people well. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. Don't uh, you know, don't abuse people. Don't do this. You know, be this be, be a good person. Yeah. They all pretty much say that. It's just when you look, well, it says this line and can be interpreted this way, then they turn it into, like, that's going to be our thing. Right. And, uh, yeah. I, I minored in religion in college, so I, t- I took, like, five full semester courses about uh, religion. So I studied about, like, I took one class just about Islam. I took one about uh, the New Testament. I took one about world religions, like, took a lot of different classes. I, I find it really fascinating, because I feel like if you understand someone's religion as a person who's religious, like, if you understand someone's religion from a person who's religious, then you can understand their way of thinking to a certain degree. So, like, if someone is a hardcore Muslim or a hardcore Christian, you kind of have it, and you understand the religion, you have an insight into how they think. Yeah. So that that's kind of like how yeah. I approached learning it, and I, I thought it was really it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, it helps them. Yeah. But there's a lot of like fucked up things that happen that people base it's on. Basically, when they religion. try and turn it into like the government, when they yeah, try and yeah. take religion and turn it into like, all right, we're going to be in charge, or when you have churches that have a lot of power, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. when you start to have problems. Yeah. Where it's just like, okay, like back when in the medieval days, when it was all the Bibles all in Latin, and no one could read anything. So they could just say whatever they wanted, exactly, just to yeah, have people yeah. do what they wanted. Exactly, yeah. And then now, and then now, my problem is really it's all about money too. So yeah, many of them, the certainly not all of them, but a lot of them. And then they always get caught, or not always, but most of the time they get caught with like these weird scams, and it's not going where you think it's supposed to go. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, crazy. There's so much money in it. I, my personal opinion is that churches in the U.S. and anywhere should be taxed, but they're not taxed. They're, they're exempt from tax. They have to pay like property tax and stuff like that. But like they don't have to pay income tax on donations given to them. And so a lot of unscrupulous preachers, they will take these donations and then they'll have like a mansion. And it's like, well, I am I very know. certain that Jesus <laughs> said a lot of shit about living humbly, especially if you're preaching. He was very clear about, like, not wasting money and, and, you know, like, over, being overzealous in your life. Like, he was extremely clear about that. He's flipping the money changers' tables. Yeah. But then there are all these, these, like, megachurch preachers that live in these million-dollar mansions. They have private jets. It's, like, fucking crazy. Yeah. The one I actually identified the most with that I like to read a lot of is, like, Sufism like the Sufi, which are Muslims, but they, in their texts, will talk all about the Buddha, they talk about Jesus, like, in depth, they talk about, you know, the Jewish religion, and they don't, like, say that they're wrong, and they just say, they're all right, and as well, they have said that, that uh, Allah and uh, Muhammad are, like, the latest version yeah, of yeah, everything, yeah, yeah. Yeah. they're correct, but all the other people are correct, too, and we have to take all these different parts into it, Allah, and... Yeah. They're, they had, that's, that's basically what I would almost identify the most with. Yeah. Except 
So, Holland, are you saying on record that you, <laughs> That's that so you, hard. <laughs> you are a Sufi Muslim? I, I, you know what? Someone's going to come after you I, I think, say that. I, I cannot, I cannot comment. I don't, think, comment, you're, I don't comment. think you're praying five times per day. Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. But uh, they would like practice meditation. They are really into music. They said that music is like the universal law of the, the law of the universe was music and things like that. Like the swirling dervishes in Turkey, that's what they were. But then they pretty much got wiped out when things got a little more extremist. And people said, you're not allowed to like all these people. You have to pick one or the other. But for me personally, like I think they probably were on the right path and they kept things chill yeah. you know I like that, that thing about mu- me and Jordan literally had this chat this morning about music we were talking mm-hmm. about a well known public figure who says that about music and apparently he just stops and goes it's the most beautiful thing because it's literally the thing that unites country versus culture versus everything yeah yeah like there is that underlying subconscious thing yeah yeah because you don't you don't have to understand like lyrics if there's a good song yeah, in, yeah. in another language exactly like yeah, just, yeah. The, just the music yeah yeah uh, diverting this topic a little bit, but kind of along the same lines, because we're ta- you were talking about Muslims, so it made me think about you being a big football fan, mm-hmm. and now the recent trend of athletes going to Saudi Arabia. Mm. Not just football, but also, you know, there's like a, um, a new uh, golfing tour that was created by Saudi Arabia, and they got some huge players, like top... 50 players from America and like other countries to join like Phil Mickelson mm. he's on this new tour where they're, they play in Saudi Arabia so he's not playing in America anymore mm. even though he's still good enough to win the American and like yeah, yeah. British championships um, so my question is what, what do you think about that like the sports washing um, from these countries where they're like beheading gay people we had this with Qatar, didn't we? It was the Qatar. Yeah, Qatar. But it, so it's mainly yeah. Qatar and Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you think that the the athletes who sign on to that are they morally compromised? Hmm. Question. I must admit, I haven't given it an enormous amount of thought, so I'm trying to think of my answer before I give it. I'm trying to be. Careful. <laughs> I'm trying to be careful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Hmm. Because my opinion, they are morally compromised. Right. Because they're taking money basically directly from the government. Like, uh, Messi mm-hmm. is like a tourism ambassador for Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So he's getting paid tens of millions of dollars to promote tourism to a country where I just said, and this is a fact, if, if you're found out to be gay and you're promoting, and I'm doing air quotes for anyone who's listening, promoting homosexuality, whatever, they can just straight cut your head off. And, like, people will watch in the square, and they'll be clapping. They'll, they'll enjoy it. Jesus. And that happens, like, all the time. Yeah. And he's promoting, like, their economy. Mm, so, to me, like, he's a piece of shit. I don't care if he's the greatest football player ever. Like, he's a piece of shit. The dude, yeah. yeah. What do you think of Ronaldo doing a Saudi? Well, I think he's a piece of shit too. We go to Saudi. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did Messi go to Saudi now too? He he's heavily rumored. Yeah, heavily it's rumored, it's, yeah. it's very implicated that he's about to. Yeah. Yeah. Ronaldo did it after saying he wouldn't, and then they he did an interview which ended his career basically at United, and he was saying, oh yeah, I would go to Saudi if I wanted an easy life, but no one wanted him, so he went to Saudi. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's basically what he says, like loosely, loosely translated. Yeah, I feel for me, just thinking about this, and I can be completely wrong on this point, uh, compared to like with American sports, not saying they're better or anything, but I am saying that there's caps on how much money every team mm-hmm. gets. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, th- I think in the like, the world span, there is no cap. So if you're a really rich country, you can pay more money to get the better players. Mm. There's no actual cap on the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's really quite as fair. But at the same time, you have to have a way to say, well, country that's really poor, you know, how do we? We can't just make all these countries have a lot of money at the same equivalent as them. But they should have a better way to cap it, maybe. Because at this point, it's like, well, if you're a really rich country, you just get the best team and you win every single year. Right. Whereas with sports back home. Regardless of how rich of an area you're from, you still have the same amount of money you're allowed to spend on your players, no matter what. Right. To keep everything. There's fair. a lot for sure. There's a lot more parity in American sports than like say the Premier League mm-hmm. or the Bundesliga, Serie A. Like in the Bundesliga, especially well, and and like the league. Liga. Liga. Yeah. Liga. Yeah. 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 In France. France. Well. It's like the same team wins every year. Yeah, and, and yeah, then yeah. Bundesliga, like Bayern Munich, like, they win like yeah, every year. Yeah. yeah, it was the same in Serie A up until three years ago. Now it's changed three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it used to be just Juventus, Juventus. Well, of. but that's because they had like scandals where they lost yes. a bunch of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's it, it. Again, came down to money. They lost a bunch of money, so they couldn't compete because they couldn't buy the players they needed mm. to keep their title run going. Exactly. So mm. yeah, I I think that's. I mean, I love watching football, but that's a big problem. It's very strange to me because I'm only recently starting to like follow uh, football or soccer, as we say in America. <laughs> yeah, for the Americans, uh, for the Americans listening, <laughs> only recently that you can like trade players from England to go play in like another country. Like the first time I was watching like football, really was like probably watching Vietnam, and there was like you know a coach from Korea and like a player from yeah. somewhere else and everything. And I was like, it's just so weird. If I watch. Vietnamese football. I want to see Vietnamese players mm. playing against Saudi Arabian players, playing against you know German players. Not like all switched around. Not saying it's wrong. It's just very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I guess I'm used to like for me a world from coming to America. World sports means the Olympics, where you have to be from that country, right. yeah, more or less. Yeah, yeah. So it's a different world for me. So I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's very strange. Yeah, I never and then the money part yeah. comes into it. Last night when when we were at Block, there was a, a Sea Games game on TV, Vietnam versus Indonesia yeah. for, for uh, basketball. Mm. And there were two black players on Indonesia's team, and I, I, I said to Anna, I was like, there's no fucking way those guys are Indonesian. Like, they are very dark-skinned black, and they're very tall, and Indonesian people are very short. Like, there's no fucking way these guys are, are born and bred Indonesian. Like, they did some fuckery with their with their visas so that they could become citizens. Right. Like, I'm sure they got paid pretty well. And they were dominating. Vietnam was getting crushed. Right, yeah. They got, they got no, like, you know. Nobody's as tall as that. Yeah, (laughs) exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. So in the SEA games, do you have to be from the country you're supposed to? Yeah, yeah. That's like their mini Olympics, basically, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the Asian country Olympics, basically. Yeah, yeah. It was in Hanoi last year, now it's Cambodia. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. No, I found that interesting what you mentioned. Like, sorry to go back, but about the American thing where 
everyone's just American in American sports, <laughs> like in NFL. Or are there any for? I don't, I don't actually know any for in NFL. For NFL, not really. Yeah. But for basketball, it's very international. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the last five years, the MVP of the league has been a foreign player. So this year was a guy named Joel Embiid. He's from Cameroon. Oh. Uh, last two years were a guy named um, uh, Jokic, who's from. Jokic. Sounds Serbian. Yeah, I think he is Serbian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the two prior years were um, I'm not gonna say his last name right, but Giannis in 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 Teka. Okay. In Teka Bobo or something. He's a he's a black Greek. Oh, so like his family emigrated from Af- somewhere in Africa several years ago. Right. He's, he's born in Greece, um, so he's considered Greek. Um, Same thing in baseball too, though. They have like people from from Dominican baseball Republic. Oh, yeah. They have people from Dominican Republic. They probably have Japanese, some Japanese players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they bring in people, but it's not like maybe it's the same. They give them a visa. They bring them in, but you still can only pay them so much money. Because you're given a certain amount of money that you're allowed to be capped at. It's not yeah. like the American team is hiring everybody from the rest of the world. It's just like some teams like, oh, this person's really good. We're just going to scout this person from another country, give them a visa, and give them some money. Although the, the cap for baseball is really high. So they, they yeah. do get like $100 million contracts yeah. in, in baseball. So like the best player in baseball right now in the world is a Japanese guy oh, cool. who pitches and hits. So that's really rare. You probably don't know much. No, about oh no, no, no. This is this is. Not <laughs> We've gone so many directions in this conversation. So, so this is just hitting. So, so yeah. pitching, you know, the the basic concept yeah. of baseball, right? Pitch, is hit. one guy throws it, yeah. one guy hits it. Right. Yeah. So this guy is like almost the best at both things. Wow. And that's extremely rare. So he's like the top played, top paid player mm-hmm. in, in baseball, and he's Japanese. Yeah. Um, He's really fucking good. Isn't baseball is huge in Japan. Really, and, and Korea also. So, I went to a game in Korea, and it was very yeah. interesting. Like Anne had never been to a baseball game before. Did you go at Christmas? Was that the one? No, this was a few years ago. Cool. Um, it wasn't going on during that time. So this was in the, this was in the summer. Yeah, 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 yeah this was in the summer a few yeah. years ago. And they were like cheerleaders, which is very different from American baseball, because it's like American baseball. You sit and you drink your beer. And then you talk to your friends or whoever you're with, yeah, yeah. and then you go get some more beer and a hot dog. It's like mm-hmm. very relaxed. In Korea, they've got people like banging on drums. And it's the same in Japan. And they've got the what they call thunder sticks. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the yeah, inflated yeah. plastic that makes a noise. Yeah. So people are like slamming those, and they got cheerleaders in short skirts, like shaking their asses. <laughs> it's a. It's it sounds very, so much better than American baseball. To be hundred percent honest, I actually. <laughs> find American baseball very boring. It's pretty boring, like, yeah. Especially, like, watch on TV, or even, I guess to go to a game, like, once would be cool, but to actually watch on TV, it was designed around radio. Like, all the yeah. rules and the way of the game, it was probably really cool when you had to hear it, because yeah, there's yeah. so much time in between everything that happens, they can talk and tell you all the statistics about things, that's right, cool. Right. But to actually watch it, it's just like, let's go, come on. Yeah, that's why right. football is so big. Those footballs designed around TV. Like yeah, when it became yeah, big, yeah, was yeah. when TV became a thing. Right. Yeah, so yeah, it's designed yeah. to be visual. 
Yeah. Whereas hockey and baseball are very, very much like if you're watching on TV, it's boring. Mm. Hockey was fun to go and see. I saw one professional Hockey's game. Hockey's great to see in person. Yeah, yeah go see fights. Everyone's really into it. You Slamming know? glass. Yeah, yeah, smashing. I actually watched a, a, a game, not not a professional one, like an amateur one in Manchester. I mm. good. I went to like Canada or America. I'd love to like get stuck in. Yeah, 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 Hockey's yeah. really fun to see live. I you can't watch it on TV. Yeah, it's, it's too hard to really see live too. Yeah, it's like, what is it? all yeah. you see is a bunch of people moving back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with baseball, you see a bunch of people standing around. Yeah. Football is the only one that really works for us visually, mm. where it's like things are happening all the time. And actually, people yeah. say that on going to the game can be less interesting than actually watching on TV. Yeah. At least with like the, the Patriots, right? my team from back home, where it's freezing cold. So people like go in like January, and it's like zero degrees out, and you stand there. And then they'll say five minute commercial break. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas if I'm back home, I five minute that. commercial break, I can go to the bathroom and yeah, come yeah, back. Yeah. Get a beer. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's designed around TV. But so the home, uh, one of the teams that when I was playing baseball, like in junior high school, freshman high school, uh, one of the other teams from Chester, New Hampshire, they apparently the previous year had gone and became like the championship team of I guess the country or something or like the area where they actually got to go to Japan and play the top Japanese team so there's actually like usually a, oh, cool. a, a like lower level like a minor league or something where every year the top team from the US and the top team from Japan get to play each other that's and cool. that's like the world series of baseball before you're in college is going to Japan to play the Japanese team that's very cool. so yeah there's also the um, world baseball classic that yep. is kind of like uh, it's kind of like the World Cup for baseball. Mm. So that that was just a couple of months ago, and Japan actually beat the U.S. in the finals in like a really thrilling game. The guy that I told you about yeah. like dominated that game. Right, right. Yeah, but it was like all the best players. So it's like the World Cup for baseball, yeah. which is cool. Yeah. 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 The, the pitcher for the Chester team threw 65 to 70 miles an hour at. 14. It's pretty fast. Yeah, yeah it's pretty rough. Yeah, it's not fast in like major league professional baseball. But when you're a 14 year old and someone's throwing a 70 mile an hour fastball, it's, it's pretty fast compared that's to. That's before you've really gotten strong. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone before that, like most pitchers are throwing 35 to 40 miles an hour and can barely go where they're supposed to go. Uh, and most of the time you just get hit by the ball and have to walk anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I hated baseball. I hated, like, I mean, I, I loved it, but I hated it because most of the time you play and you're standing there and nothing happens. Right. Everyone right. just strikes out or this gets walked the whole yeah, time. Yeah. Right. And then when you're hit and you're up to bat, most of the time you're just, like, going to get hit. <laughs> right. You, you want to be in a game that, like, can... You're, you're in it the whole time, you're immersed, like basketball, yeah. where it's like you're constantly in it and you forget everything else, like you're in the zone, literally, yeah. rather than just being like, right, it's my turn. That's why I love tennis, because it's, it's just you. Yeah. 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 Unless you're playing doubles, which a lot of people in Vietnam prefer doubles for some reason, but me, I prefer singles. It's just yeah. like, it's on me. Yeah, you just get if, I, it, if yeah. I fuck up, it's my fault. Yeah. 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 Something really powerful for that, not just from the tennis point in mind. Yeah. Like not blaming anybody else. <laughs> I don't want to be yeah, yeah. a bit deep there, don't I? A bit deep there. Yeah, yeah. I went yeah, on, I went just, on. <laughs> your decisions are your own, right? Yeah, yeah. I went all John and Peter sometimes, like, it's your fault. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, 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 sorry. Yeah. But then, I mean, of course, there's context and environment to everything. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. But I think as a rule, it's helpful if you decide, say, if you, say if you're in a tricky situation, if you decide you're the one that's going to fix it, that would usually benefit you. Right. Rather than blaming 
X or Y or Z. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. If you have an idea of right, I can solve this, then you'll probably do better. Right, right. Yeah. I know it's context dependent, but that was the, the message. Relate to a lot of people at our work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was the message I got from your tennis analogy. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, like, yeah, like today, this court I played on is literally just concrete with several layers of paint over it. Mm. So it's not an actual tennis court. It's just this family, I guess they had some land and they liked tennis. So they decided to put in a tennis court, but it's not a real tennis court. It's literally just concrete with several layers of paint. So it's extremely slick. And there's a lot of spots where the paint is chipped. Mm. So if the ball hits that spot, then it, you know, it'll do a weird bounce. Mm. And there were many times where I didn't want to run for a ball because I knew that there's a possibility I could slip and I could either tear something or break something mm. and like you see here mm. this is from tennis on a bad court uh, like a month ago where I was running for a shot and I slipped and I skid on the court so now I have this little scar yeah. on my knee too but I, I didn't blame the conditions because the other guy is playing in the exact same yeah, thing, yeah. you know. So we're we're equal. Yeah. You always hear it like with coaches after the game where it's like, oh, the weather was shit, or the ref was shit, or this is shit. But everyone's playing in the same. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Although there is a lot of sketchy refereeing. No, I was gonna say. Like, yeah. Especially with betting being so big. Yeah. That's another yeah. thing. I well, they keep catching like NFL players like betting on games. Like those all those uh, players from the Detroit Lions. Yeah, but they they, they weren't even betting on. They were betting on something else though. Really? Yeah, so those two, I know who you're talking about, because one of those guys is on my fantasy team, mm. and I was really pissed about it. So this guy on my fantasy team, who's supposed to have a really breakout season next year, or this year, uh, he's been banned for six games out of 17 games. He's been banned because he was, he was betting on a different sport in the team facility, and I'm not sure how he got caught. But you're not allowed to do any betting in the team facility. Mm. So he was just betting on his phone. But what's fucked up is, so sports betting became legal in America like two years ago. Mm. And now it's fucking everywhere. Yeah. When I was home and I was watching, I, was, I watched some basketball with my dad and I watched some baseball. And it's like every commercial, every commercial break, there'd be two commercials yeah. about betting. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it would include current or former players so they'd be getting paid a bunch of money to pretend that they're betting yeah, in, this, in this commercial yeah. and it's like oh I, I got this bet blah, blah, blah. and it's fucked up because like now all the leagues have partnerships with betting companies yeah. and I know this yeah. has been a big thing in for a long time yeah. in England and Australia because yeah. I remember in 2012 when I was in Australia I remember seeing betting commercials oh, yeah. so it's been around for a long time Monumental. but it's yeah. just recent in the US so it's really weird to see, like, oh, go on DraftKings.com, and your first bet, you'll get a $10 back rebate yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, like, gambling gambling and then betting has been illegal in the U.S. for a long, long, long time, yeah. like 100 years, basically, with the exception of horse races for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. But everything else has been very illegal, with the exception that they'll allow, like, you know, if it's an Indian, if it's an area owned by an Indian reservation, they can own a casino. Yeah, yeah. But overall, you don't see a whole lot about casinos. You don't see anything about gambling or betting on TV or on commercials. It's very, very much like... Kind of like in the movies, or you don't hear about it yeah. unless you actually go there yourself. And then all of a sudden, when I was in the U.S. too, that's when it just started. 
yeah. it's like every commercial I'm watching football is like about betting. It's like at this point, why don't we just make everything legal if we're gonna do it? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, I mean, we've already seen like the the destruction, the problems it causes like here in Vietnam yeah, with yeah. society. You know, people like just super into betting and to gambling. Thank you. Sure. But uh, it's just like you know, if we're gonna do it, just do it. But it's just very weird. Like this is allowed. But then, if this is allowed, why is not this allowed? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. it's very weird. It's strange. It's I very, know. very uncomfortable to want to see it. Like I don't mind it, but seeing like on commercials, just I don't know. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah, cause like, uh, as a belief, I'm not against gambling or sports betting, but I am against there being so much promotion for it. I don't think it should be promoted, cause it's it's like weed is legal in a lot of states now in the US but they're not allowed to advertise anywhere except for like their own Facebook page or whatever but they can't have a TV commercial radio newspaper ad you can't advertise it I think that's how it should be like I I firmly believe that people should be allowed to make their own decisions as far as like different traditional vices but I don't think that there should be like a mass scale promotion of it because, like you were just saying, it's pretty clear for a long time that people get addicted to gambling yeah. and ruin their lives. Yeah, and you're and encouraging should, it. Yeah, yeah we, like should, we should be encouraging that possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, exactly. m- most people don't have the self-control to not ruin their lives. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, a lot of people, most people, they'll start doing it, and then... Get makes us wonder if it's gonna be like in you know Vietnam in twenty or thirty years where it's just like people lose their whole house and yeah, everything yeah, and like yeah. Yeah, you know yeah. everything because of that. Yeah. You know, dad just will decide one day, you know, I'm gonna bet on this game, I'll bet the house and yeah, it's boom. Yeah, yeah. It's gone. Yeah. I see Sorry, so many everybody. news articles about yeah, pe- yeah. people here who like get yeah. in trouble with gambling and and loan sharks and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. I feel like with gambling a lot of the times the, the sad it's sadder to me than people that are like addicted with alcohol or drugs or things because at least that mostly affects you physically mm-hmm. whereas with gambling like so much of the time the sad stories you hear are like oh the husband bedded the house yeah. and the whole family is now on the street yeah. right, it right. just like it affects so more. much yeah. more right, right. than just you yeah. whereas at least if you're just addicted to alcohol well you get a divorce then he's on yeah. his own right you kind of know also like with say you're addicted to drugs or alcohol but it's kind of ultimately you, you're going to be able to like pull it back in a certain way by abstaining. But with gambling, like the idea is, oh, well, um, say I'm, right, I've lost 10 grand. I'm 10 grand in debt due to alcohol. I'll just bet, <laughs> bet, bet on this really Yeah, I'll get it back. Yeah, yeah, I'll get it back. That's the thing, the thing of winning. It's like, I won. So, for example, you go it's to... It's a feedback loop. You, you, yeah, you go and yeah. gamble, you spend 2 million, you win. So you spend 2 million, so you, 2 million you put, but you win 500k. I won, I won. It's like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Right, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. right. It's the... the Dopamine hit of winning, quote unquote. It's like, right, right. Yeah. yeah. I've met people before convinced they've won. I'm like, no, no, but do you see? You came out with, this is an example, 2 million, you've come home with 500k, you've lost 1.5 million. No, 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 I won. Exactly. Because they're stuck in that cycle. Right? I, feel like, I feel like gambling is fun. I like gambling too. I do too, yeah. But <laughs> I, I, I feel you have, to, you have to be really <laughs> limited with it. Where you have to literally, if you're going to go to a casino, you decide how much money you're bringing, yeah, yeah. you leave everything else at home, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's your money. Don't bring a car. And you have to be prepared, you basically expect to be spending the money. Yeah, yeah. And if I come out with more, that's cool. 
Right. It's like entertainment. It's like instead of going to the bar, you go to the casino. Exactly. Like during Tet, you know, my girlfriend's family, they'll gamble with like card games and everything. And it's fine because we're just like gambling with, I bring a bunch of penny, penny cash that we had already saved up the last few months. And that's the money we do. I don't care about it. And so you have to be prepared to lose. I expect to lose all of it. And actually, if I ever win, which one time we came in with like a hundred k of like five and one k's, and I won. I kept. Yeah, I kept <laughs> winning, winning, and I came out with like five hundred k at the end. And then what we do with it is just we go and buy everybody drinks. Yeah. Just go and buy everybody like a milk tea or something. Yeah. And if I was to go to like a casino, I think it'd be fun. I haven't done that yet. I would go in with a couple hundred dollars and just be like, "This is what I'm spending tonight." Yeah. And just for a fun experience, because it is fun. Yeah. But you can't be going with the intention, I'm going to make money. Right, right. Yeah, it's cheap. Right. It's, cheap. it's a monk's game. You're going to lose. <laughs> but yeah. there are some people that have that type of mindset where that, that's their thing, and they can't get away from it. Yeah. I mean, like, I love the... Like, I actually did it today. Like, I set the boundaries. So I'm like, right, I will spend 300k today. That is it. So, you know, I've got 300k... Did you bet on the match tonight? No, horses. We did horses. Horses? <laughs> yeah, we really? Did, we did horses at the gap D2 earlier. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to go for a while. Were they were they showing that on TV? Yeah, yeah. And there's some Australian guy in the corner who takes your bets. You <laughs> <laughs> were telling me about this earlier fuck? when you were in the bathroom. Yeah, it was so yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck? We go over and he's like, hey, what do you so want? I'm like, uh, 100k on number three. Cheers, Connor, mate. And then, yeah. Does he just sit there all day? No, he only does it for like three or four hours. But like, That's so strange. No, still like, yeah, yeah. Like, they allow him to do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, they bring people to the bar because people are going to compete. And sure. Like, oh, yeah. Right. But um, what the point was, I was like, right, 300k, that's my max today. So I'm, I'm knowing it. So I'm, I'm, I know that I can either put 200 on one, 150 on one, 150 on one, blah, blah. But that's it. Once that 300k is done, no matter how much I win, it's done. Right. Yeah, because otherwise it's like, oh, just one more, just one more, just one more, just one more. Oh, shit, I lost two mil. Like, I've done this before, yeah. by the way. <laughs> yeah, I think we all have. So, so yeah. how, how'd you do? How did it? I lost everything. Yeah. Lost all my 300k. But still, you know. <laughs> but I knew that going into it. I'm like, there's a high chance I might lose 300k today. Right, but I'm still gonna do it for anything. And if right. I do, sweet. If I get back, whatever, nice. Yeah. yeah so, I, um, I do gambling every year, basically fantasy football, uh, fantasy American football with my friends, close friends back home. So we have a group chat, and then we we've been doing it for like seven or eight years now, and we all print in. It used to be fifty dollars. Now we print in a hundred dollars. So that's kind of like gambling, but it's over several months. So that's entertainment, and it like keeps us well. Yeah, it keeps yeah. us close because we yeah. have some we have something to talk about. You got some banter about it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm beating you. I'm beating you. And that's been yeah, a thing yeah. for a long time before the sports betting was fantasy yeah, yeah, football. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's a whole, totally different mindset. It's very different. It's not like you're gambling in the moment where you yeah, just put yeah. more in. It's long term. Yeah, it's yeah. long term. It's just like you're putting money so you can play the game. That's the whole point. You yeah. put in some money to play the game, and then maybe you'll come up with some money at the end. But that's not really the point. It's for fun. Yeah, it's more fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like what we were talking about earlier with like weed in the morning or like drinking to like do stuff. Like if you do that with gambling, you're gonna lose. Oh yeah. Like, you're really sure. gonna lose. Yeah, yeah. But if you do it knowing that the entertainment is the primary objective, you will ultimately be okay. If you're like dead set with that, right. once you start straying into different territory, that's what shit is. Right. Yeah. Like, imagine like you call it. Imagine watching a. I, I was watching a race today, knowing that 100k depending on it. And I'll get a bit, a little bit nervous. Just yeah. because, like, there's a little bit of me going, ooh, ooh, ooh like, I win 500k, but hey. Right. Like, so that's very small stakes. Imagine watching a race, knowing that if that horse loses, you don't get your house. Yeah. <laughs> imagine. Just imagine. Well, yeah. yeah, it's a huge emotional yeah. 
thing. So when you win, uh, I can't remember which one of you said it, but it's like the the dopamine yeah. is like a massive fucking rush. Yeah. It's the same yeah. as like doing a, a yeah. big shot of heroin. That's the more useful. Say you do win a big race. So like, there's a guy actually who, uh, if he, he was a 28 to 1. So people putting on a mil. So if you put on a mil for that, you get like 29 mil. Like, yeah. Okay, that's decent. Yeah. And imagine winning that. Your ego would go through the roof. Right, right. Like, oh, I know, I know how to pick those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what they do in Vietnam, the big gambling is, the big underground gambling, what they do is they have a bunch of different families, and each, the, each family will can choose to take a turn to host. And what you do is you take everybody's money. It's big money. And basically, it's like Powerball. Where do you guys like have Powerball in the UK? Yeah, so it's like, explain that yeah, so <laughs> it's basically like you pick a number, and then a whole bunch of balls drop, and then if you get the number, you win. But if you don't get the number, it just keeps going. So the way it works in Vietnam, where it's basically like Powerball, where there's like different symbols, like an animal or this or that. And so a whole bunch of them things, then you spin the balls, and if someone got it, so someone might not win. Usually, no one wins. And if no one wins, the hosting family takes all the money, and they keep it. So you can make a ton of money. But if you, by chance, which is rare, lose, you have to pay like X amount on top of how much money you were given. And so therefore, if you lose, you're, you don't lose just the money that was given to you, you lose like also like four times that amount which means like you maybe have to owe like a billion or two billion so my girlfriend's family is usually the maids that they have they're working for dirt cheap well i'll be like oh yeah you know my family played that powerball game and we lost and that now we all live you know really poor we used to be very rich that's like how that whole story goes where they like literally the the maid that we have now she's really nice we love her my mom uh my girlfriend's mom loves her and but she was like, oh yeah, she used to be like a very rich woman, lost everything in doing that, because usually it's expected the house always wins. Right. But on the rare occasion that you actually lose, you usually don't have enough money to cover what you're gonna lose. So it's so rare that you actually lose, and that's where you get a lot of the problems. casinos and things is that you're in there and it's just like it's immediate yeah it's yeah. like you're winning or you're losing you're winning or losing mm. and it's difficult to, to get away because you're losing and now like well i need to make back the money yeah, yeah, so i'm gonna yeah, keep right. playing yeah, yeah. but the only way to do it right is to go in with a certain amount of money you physically have like leave yeah. your cards at home yeah yeah go with cash and that's what you get yeah yeah so there's this fucked up thing that i'm not sure if it still exists in america um but there would be slot machines inside of a gas station. Did they have that in New Hampshire? I don't think I've seen that. I've seen, like, you know, gambling, like, the tickets, like, you know, Powerball tickets and things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, See but that, I don't an think... machine. I don't think they have a slot. I, haven't, I don't think I've seen a slot machine. Okay, in so, that you, so it's banned now, 
because obviously there are terrible repercussions. But like in my home state, there used to be these like digital slot machines. There'd just be like one or two in a gas station. And there were several cases that I read about in the news where someone would go into the gas station, they would leave their child in the car, and it was like summer, in a locked car. They would go in, and they would play for hours, and then their child would either die or be hospitalized because it was so hot, and they didn't leave the car on, and they were just fucking playing these slots, just glued to the mm, screen, yeah, yeah. just duh, 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 putting in the money, duh, 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 for hours. Or like dogs dying. Yeah, I'll tell you about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the weirdest addiction. So it got banned, thankfully. It's the weirdest addiction, I think, and the most destructive because it affects other people beyond you. Yeah, yeah. It's very easy to affect other people, unless you're totally single and you live by yourself. But you can do a lot more destruction, I think, that way than with other things. Yeah, yeah. At least with other things, it's more on you. Whereas in that way, like, oh, sorry guys, by the way, we lost the car and we lost the house and uh, we're going to be living on the street now. Yeah. So I feel like it affects more, you know, other people. Whereas with other addictions that takes time, you can be like, okay, we can try and fix this or we can like not be able to be a part of you and it's damaging too. Yeah, yeah. But like gambling is like very immediate, like, oh, sorry guys, lost everything. Right. Uh, I think on that point as well, you can always say if you are single by yourself, it can still affect others because like you'll lose all your money if you ask people for money. Suddenly you're in more debt. Yeah. Right, right. Because right. people give it you. Right, right. You're in more debt and more debt. Oh, no, uh, I'll have it next month, I'll have it next month, but then years go by and you don't, and the friendship falls out, and then you have loan sharks. So literally it's a snowball effect. Right, right. It's construction. Yeah. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I should have thought about this before going for some horses today, but I suppose I did go with a certain amount. Yeah, 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 300k sweet. I'll do this, and if I lose it, fine. Where, where was that race? D2 Sports Book. No, no, where was the actual race? <laughs> no idea, sir. You don't know what country it was in? Huh? <laughs> oh, no, I just saw horses on TV. Didn't say it on TV? Might have done. Horse <laughs> No, I did. Horse racing's pretty big in the US. I think just because, like, money and space. Yeah. And people people like it. Mm-hmm. Have you ever ridden a horse? Ridden a horse? No, yeah. I'm scared, man. Uh, <laughs> it is winter, I'm not that great with animals. Like, it, sound, it sounds like it, yeah. Yeah, like what country am I moving to? A country that's not, you know, not got any animals that I should worry about. Ah, <laughs> Melbourne's fine. Yeah, but I might go to Yeah. I think it'll be fine. Um, so, uh, I, I had friends growing up who had horses. So I, I've ridden horses before. Yeah. And my aunt and uncle in Colorado, um, one set of an aunt and uncle, they trained horses, and their daughter, my, my first cousin, she was like a, a competitive show horse rider, so that's where, instead of racing, they like, kind of a jog, and then jump over like a low, like a low gate, and then it's all about style, like, is the horse going in a straight line and then like making a nice curvy turn mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of like you've probably seen like dog shows on TV yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah going through like a course yeah. so it's like that um but no th- there is some fear for sure when I'm around horses because they're very powerful mm-hmm. creatures yeah you get one like, kick and <laughs> yeah they can 
break your entire chest like with one kick. Yeah, yeah. No problem. Yeah, yeah, and that's what worries me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if I know with a dog it'll bite me and it might hurt, but like horse is a different ball game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they're they're pretty docile. Like if you if you're if they're uh like at a facility they're pretty docile because mm. it's the same thing as dogs where we're talking about like thousands of years almost of of uh breeding because mm. people were using horses for battle like for a thousand years so you should try it again maybe maybe one day <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you should try it it's pretty fun pretty fun like just going at a slow pace. I've never gone fast. Yeah. Just, yeah. just like I wouldn't go galloping. Just like yeah. yeah, yeah, no, just like basically trotting through a forest. Mm. It's really cool, like sitting up high and just trotting along. Yeah. Colin, I'm sure you've ridden, I'm horse. sure you've ridden horses before. Actually, I haven't. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I've never ridden a oh, horse, dude. dude. I should do it. Dude. My sister it's used to fun. go on like uh, horse fun. camps, but I've never ridden a horse. It's fun. Highly recommend it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In England, it's a very posh, done it a few times. It's a very posh thing to do. So like you only ride a horse if you posh as fuck. No, I mean I my friends who had horses were definitely very wealthy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, like, it, it's extremely it's expensive to keep a horse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyone in my hometown yeah. is not ridden a horse. Same thing. Like <laughs> in my hometown area and everything, like people that owned horses were like very rich. Mm-hmm. And my sister, my my younger sister, she went to like horse riding camp for a couple of years. She would ride horses and everything, but. I never did that really. Yeah, I can assure you, everyone in my house is very posh. <laughs> yeah, it's very posh. Yeah, yeah. it takes yeah. like tens of thousands yeah. of dollars. And it would be like when I was rowing, so I used to be on like, a rowing team, like crew team. Which is also and, posh. Yeah, it's also very posh. <laughs> and a lot of the girls would be would do horse riding too. A lot of the girls were on the team. They were from Durham. Their parents were like, you know, pr- big time professors at UNH or they're professors at Harvard, things like that. Like, later one of the kids I coached was, like, uh, he was the son, like, the family was, like, the president of Phillips Exeter, which is, like, the most prestigious high school in the world, which is, like, 45 minutes away. That's where, like, a lot of presidents would go in high school there. A lot of, uh, like, George Bush became friends with, like, the princes of Saudi Arabia because they went to Phillips Exeter together and had shared a dorm room. What? That kind of thing. Like they're really rich, but anyways, I had a lot, a lot of kids like around me who like ride horses, but right. that was a very posh thing. But there'll be horse riding camps were not that expensive. I just never went to it. Yeah, no, I, I didn't really have the appeal for it to be honest with you. Honestly, same really thing. Like for me, like they're like, oh, come here, you can feed the horse. I'm like, I don't really want to. Like he might bite you. I'm like, well, now I really don't yeah. want to. <laughs> yeah, just put me off even more. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like they're a lot bigger than you think on TV. Like yeah, they're big yeah, things. Yeah. Whenever I come, I've come in close contact, I think, nah, not really feeling good, yeah. I only really see them when I just see police horses outside football stadiums, yep. I'm at Old Trafford, and I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to get on the wrong side. Yeah, we have police horses near my house, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, no, I never felt the appeal, like, I want to go ride a horse. Yeah. Never felt that. It's never, no. Maybe if I make a million, no, still. I think, like, it would be quite low down on the list. That'd be like, you know when you have pocket money? When you're mm-hmm. just like, what do I do? Right, I'll get a horse. Exactly. Like, like I never got the appeal like people that like own like trade and keep horses and things. Yeah, right. I never got it, but I think it's a fine thing to do if you're into that. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. My family almost bought a horse for my sister, but then when they say you do realize you have to clean up all the poop from that horse, she's like, it's a lot. Oh, I gotta do yeah, that. And they're like, yeah, it's a lot. She's like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Like, all right, then we're not getting a horse. Yeah. We almost bought a horse. Yeah. 
when we began this, the sun was shining. <laughs> yeah, quite, yeah. Quite brightly, and I don't know how long. Have you? Does it say on there how long we've gone for? Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna tell you. I'm gonna estimate one hour forty eight minutes. No, it's longer than that. Shit, you serious? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna tell you. Oh my lord. Just keep the mystery. Keep the mystery. The mystery. Yeah. Lord, lord, lord. <laughs> yeah. Oh. All right. So I had a topic. You did. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, we still ain't gotten to that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> We've gotten so far away from where we started. It's been a good conversation. Yeah, for sure. All right, so there's a, there's something that's you know big in in the news right now, um, which is I, AI. I oh, uh, oh, 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 what were you gonna say? I thought you were gonna say something else. What, what were you? Gonna, I thought you were talking about Andrew Tate. Andrew Tate. Tate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't give a fuck about okay, him. Okay, he's, okay, just yeah. some, he's just some loser. Yeah. Cunt. Yeah, I, I don't care about him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, I thought I was going to say, I thought you were going to be like, what do you think of this guy? Okay, no, no fuck him, man. That's pretty clear. Bell end, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's pretty yeah, clear. Yeah. There, there, there's like no discussion about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. True. No, but I, I, I don't think <laughs> people really like him. Yeah. Well, they're idiots. <laughs> My brother sends me things from him all day long. Really? No, every dude, day. No, I'm like, oh, no, dog. No, like, no, I'm not going to no, lie. He's there's, insane. There's, sometimes there's moments where like, okay, I understand what you're saying. But then he, he intentionally, he's like, he actually is like the social media marketing genius, yeah. but it's done in a bad sure. way. It's eventually it is backfiring on, yeah, on him, it, it, where he found a way. Like if I just every you know so many seconds put in something insane and very inflammatory, yeah, yeah. it'll always get me attention, regardless yeah. if it's bad or good attention. Right. Attention. Yeah. Let's go to your point though. No, actually, I want to change the topic. Okay. Because <laughs> because now I'm thinking about something. You've interviewed a lot of life coaches, right? Indeed. I think life coaching is total bullshit. And the reason is because the majority of these people, they're, they're kind of offering like pseudo-therapy, mm. but they don't have any qualifications. They haven't studied anything in an academic context about people's emotions and thoughts and how the brain works. Etc. Etc. And I feel like it's a dangerous thing, just because your family has some money, which is how a lot of these people are. Their family has money, which helped them start a business. They got they got funding. They didn't start it on their own. I'd say that's like ninety percent of them. And then they just spout all this shit, telling people what to do with their lives. But their context is so different from the people who they're talking to. And I feel like it's a really dangerous thing. Mm, I think there has to be years and years and years of experience yeah. Yeah. in order to do this, like to study the relevant things. And yeah, yeah. Somebody talking about a 25-year-old life coach, and that's just bullshit. Because at 25, at 25 years old, you've not got the experience. Yeah. But Absolutely. If, so if you, right, if you want to go down that route, for whatever reason, you've got to have a lot behind you, as in academic credentials, right. life experience, right. lots of shared things to do, failures, quite hyperbolic ones, right. and you can't do that at 25, like you just don't have the breath. Right. And so like, I feel very, 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 very uncomfortable. And I think a lot of them are pushed, like they want to do it because there are life coaches, some yeah. of them are good, that are, but they don't realize like, oh, they're older doing mm. it. Yeah. So they're like, oh, you know, they're all over the place, I want to do that too. Yeah. I do kind of like, somewhat contrary to your point i don't think you have to have necessarily the training and like the academic experience with it mm. because i think a lot of them are taking more of like a really old traditional approach to teaching but i do think you have to be very experienced both in life but also you have to be very particular with what you're trying to teach people 
yeah, you yeah. can pick a topic and be very into it and have a very good way of explaining and have experience with it. And there are some that I think are very good. But I think when you say, I'm just going to help someone with their life mm. or someone with their business, I don't think that's so Broad good. Stuff, right? There are yeah. some that are like, there's a dating coach I used to listen to, uh, Coach Corey Wayne. Mm. He's very, very good. But he's someone who's like 40-something years old. And he wrote a book, and it's like a bestseller, and he does his podcast, and he sells his book for free. He's very, very good. But he's someone who picks something very specific and says specifically how he's going to teach it. I think that can be better teaching because with therapy now, most of therapy is like just prescribing drugs most of the time. However, that does not mean that's wrong. And you can't just go around saying, oh, I'm a life coach. You have to have the experience and you have to pick a particular thing. Yeah. You have to pick your thing and you have to have experience and feel that like you can teach that very well. Yeah. And some people are very good. But I don't think you have to have a college degree behind it because to do that, like with therapy, again, therapists are great, but some of, a lot of them nowadays, their therapy consists of, oh, you have to get the right drugs for the person. Yeah. And I don't always think that's right. But I do think people do have to have experience and they have to like pick a particular thing they're talking about. You yeah. can't just be like, oh, I'm a 25-year-old life coach. It's like, no, you're not. Yeah, you yeah. haven't lived life. Yeah, if someone's not. a 50-year-old person, it's like, I want to try and help and teach people, yeah. then that's good. And they can share their... I think it's really important to share where they have fucked up and where they do currently fuck up. Because mm-hmm. I think when you go in the life coaching route, you can easily like put yourself here. It's like, I'm a life coach. I will help you. You're down here. Come to my level. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. no, no, like... You're certainly not perfect. Like I can probably point one. I've actually, I actually met one. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'll give it. She was completely enough the delusional, and was mm. giving it me how she was the savior. And she actually used the words, um, "Some people are born to just be masters, and I'm one." And oh, like, oh my god. god! She gave me Holy no evidence. And I said, "That's what? horrible." So I said, "One why?" She gave me, She goes, "You don't believe me? That's your problem." I'm like, "No, I'm literally just asking you why." That was one question, and the other one was, I said, why should someone choose you as a life coach? Which I think is a valuable question. Yeah. I think whenever something like, why should I choose you? Because right. I think we're all competing for whatever. Yeah. I'll say, okay, why should I come to you for advice? Why would you not? I'm just asking you the question. Like, you don't have to be affronted. And that's when I thought, shit, like, I think you go into it really for the wrong reasons, just to try and boost your ego. Look, mm-hmm. I'm a life coach. I do this. I help so many people. Mm-hmm. How? Yeah. <laughs> How do you help yourself? Like, yeah, be honest about what you have failed at and what you currently fail at. Because everyone in the world who will ever speak to is currently failing at something. And that's good because you're a human being. They should be very, very specific about their current current failures and how right. they're addressing them yeah. rather than trying to put themselves here and here. Especially when trying to sell stuff like, Come and join my program. My program will get you from here to here. It's like, how do you know? Right. You don't know the person. <laughs> yeah. That's why I like with Coach Corey Wayne is he doesn't have like a program. He says the book, and most of the book is talking about his failures mm. and what he learned. And then he'll talk about like very specifically most of his video- videos that he has like on YouTube. People send him emails, and he very much just focuses. We can't fix the other person, but we're going to talk about you. This is what you can do. So if the other person is wrong, this is what you can do. Most of the time, it's with the guy, how the guy is wrong, this is what you can do. He doesn't sit there and say, like, oh, women are this, women are that. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. It's very much focused on, look, if it is, like, a, like a bad person, like, that, that guy is dating. He also takes uh, emails from women, too, but most of the time, it's guys. And he'll say, like, oh, you know, if this person actually, this woman is, like, you know, bad news, he'll be like, all right, this is what 
you can do. You can leave or you can just choose to accept it. That's the way it is. But most of the time, it's like, all right, you as the guy, these are the problems we're having, great. You fix them these ways. Mm-hmm. And he very much focuses on the person. But he focuses, again, very on a specific topic, and he helps specific people. And when it's something that is not his topic, he'll explain, that's not what I do. I'm not, I can't help with that because I don't know that. Mm-hmm. And... That's just what he focuses on. And now he makes his whole living. But now he gets paid, I think, $1,500 an hour for like an actual oh, coaching lesson. Wow. But he started out doing everything for free. Yeah. Everything was for free. And man, it only became more money when people started giving him money to do what he was doing. A lot of life coaches are not like that. So I feel like it's something where you have to really have something to offer. And you have to be very specific with it. Yeah, see, I think that's one of my big problems is that what I've seen online even from, from friends or acquaintances who have recommended life coaches, whatever, and then I go to that profile of the life coach. It's all so vague. Yeah. It's super vague, super general, and it's just like shit that you could Google. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, you need to set your goals. Like, yeah, pe- people have known that for hundreds of years. People have been saying that for a really fucking yeah, long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could have told you that. Yeah. And then I think in, in Vietnam, a particular problem is that all the life coaches are people who are from extremely privileged backgrounds. So their families could afford to send them to a British international school that costs more than my university. Yeah. Like, spend a shit ton on their education. They went to university in Australia or England or America, whatever, like a, a 1% or 0.5% kind of level of opportunity in Vietnam and then they're telling people oh you can do this too but no you, no they can't yeah, yeah, yeah. they can't because they they could eventually but it would take 10 years longer yeah, yeah. because they don't have the family background they don't have yeah, the financial yeah. background so that that really pisses me off I also hate the selling aspect of like oh um if you're not doing this you're making excuses it's like whoa whoa how, how do you know the person's situation? Yeah, how, how it's like, yeah, yeah. life is fucking hard, and yeah. a lot of people have difficulties yeah. doing different things. Pay, you, pay you me $300, $300 for eight lessons. Oh, you, you can't do that? Excuses. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Just, just to say this person has $300. Yeah, exactly. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's always quite expensive, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I have a big problem with that. That's my thing with uh, Coach Corey Wayne. Go back to him. <laughs> for a long, 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 long this is time. This like an ad for this no, guy. I love, I love this guy. For a long time, his old videos, he would always have his book on his website. You can buy the book or you can read it for free on his website. So I give it all the way for free. Yeah. You can have it for free. And basically, the where he would get paid is if you want special, particular coaching, you pay him. For a long, long time, right. he would read his book for free. Right. And then eventually people would just buy his book anyways because they would read it a certain number of times. Right. But, yeah, I mean, it goes to get expensive with some of them, but does you know some of them do have things to offer. Yeah. So I think, I think some life coaches are very good. Mm-hmm. I think it is very needed because we have a society now where it's very much like, oh, let me listen to your problems. Great. This is the drug you need. This is the fix you need. This is the thing you need. Not really mm-hmm. trying, always trying yeah. to help people's problems. Like when I took my psychology course in college, every single issue explained always explained with a drug at the end. Mm. I mean, everything was about, like, this is the medication you give to that person, basically. I don't think that's always the solution for a mm. lot of people. Yeah, it has yeah, become a solution. But there's also times you need therapists like that. They're going to prescribe you things. There's times you don't. 
and I feel like you gotta be able it's not really a good way to like navigate which one's better or yeah. not what, like, sorry sorry to interrupt you no, what, you're good. the word life coach it's like life coach like, like what area of life I think yeah. it sounds really uh, it sounds very vague it sounds so flimsy <laughs> and pretentious yeah, I think it's very potential. Yeah, because yeah. life involves thousands of different factors. Oh, every yeah, single yeah. moment, there's thousands of things going on. Yeah, yeah. Like, to say they can help with everyone. There's only a yeah. very few that are actually really good. Like the other ones, Tony Robbins. He is I was very thinking good. of him. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the like reason him. I He's love someone him. that I actually trust. Yeah, yeah. I like him. I like and him. The reason I love Tony Robbins is what he did is there was a bunch of people like you listen to uh, Jim Rohn was his, yeah, his yeah. teacher yeah. say like, okay you know this is good this is good information what Tony Robbins says he took all this life coaching or what would be called life coaching once he came around and turned it how can we make this into something that is valuable to not just a business person but to any person mm-hmm. yeah so now you can be a housewife and listen and get something out of it yeah, yeah. you can be like how can I be happy doing anything I'm doing and that's where I think he's and like. He also came yeah. from nothing, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, Big yeah he was. He yeah, was yeah, yeah. His mom had a bunch of different boyfriends, and he eventually one of the boyfriends wanted him out. So when he was 15, he was living on the streets. He would have to like steal food. Yeah. We talked about how bad he felt. He had to steal food yeah. to be able to survive. And then he did that till he was like 18, and then he started just listening to all these different speakers, and then decided, well, how can we take his genius mind took like how can we take all these different like business speakers basically and make this apply to anyone mm. and that was his whole thing he listened to all of them and said he found a way to make a very particular like I've done this course before where you'd have a very particular like this is boom step one step two step three mm. and then also apply it to any kind of lifestyle and that's what he was able to do yeah. he's not the best at any one thing but he is someone who like can make your life better regardless of what your life is. Yeah. Whereas most of the speakers that came before him were very particular to like business basically. Yeah, yeah. Business and salesmen. Yeah, yeah. And he found a way to take what they're saying is true, how can we turn it to be like if you just want to be a housewife, that's okay. That's a valuable right. goal. What and what value can you get out of that? And what would yourself? your steps be if you that's your goal. This is how you do it. Step one, step two, step three. If you right. want a relationship, how do we do it? Step one, step two, step three. Mm-hmm. So he took all these great speakers like Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn, people he worked with before, and took their idea into that. Big time, yeah. yeah. I'm a big fan. Like, I think what he's done, again, he won't be perfect. He's had a divorce. I'm sure there are issues in his personal life like all of us, but... Yeah, no one's perfect. Absolutely not. But I think generally his philosophy is coming from a good place. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. From what I see, well, I obviously don't know him personally, but he seems to be someone who... Can do that, and again, going back to what you mentioned, like it's not—it's certainly not just business. It's literally anyone, right, right. anyone who can try his best. And obviously, you can't fix every single situation, but he really tries his best. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah. say something controversial. Go on. Mm. We were talking about this before Holland got here. Fuck Oprah. Ah, uh, Oprah. <laughs> Oprah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, we actually had a little brief chat about this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're because we were talking about um the coronation, and then kind of went into like. <laughs> how, how people are obsessed about the royal family and stuff mm. and how former Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are like mm. terrible people but Oprah is also a terrible person because she's just like making money off of people's emotions but like not doing it in a positive way it's just like feeding yeah. feeding controversy yeah. 
and like arguments. She's motivated by this drama. Yeah. It's like it's like all drama. Yeah. 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 I'll say I respect her where she got to, how she got to how where she, she got was. there, but then she lost it. But then yeah. 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 Last Absolutely. like ten, yeah, fifteen yeah. years, just been like, what are you talking about? Now? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely lost. Like she obviously yeah. worked extremely hard to get to the point. Yeah. She she also grew up dirt poor and she was like raped yeah. at one point and yeah. all these different things. Uh, but then I feel like once you get to a certain level of wealth, you're just so far off from normal life mm. that you cannot relate to normal people. Yeah. And I don't know what that that line is. It's probably different for different people. But let's say, for example, you're worth fifty million dollars. I don't think someone who's worth fifty million dollars can ever relate. To a normal person, It'd be very, ever, yeah, ever very, again, yeah, ever very, again. Yeah, yeah. Like I've known millionaires. Yeah. Like, like I've had friends whose parents are millionaires, yeah, yeah. and they're still humble. Yeah. They can still relate to average people. Yeah. But I think when you get to like ten mil, so, yeah. When you get to the point or, where you can buy anything you want. Yeah, yeah. Then it gets weird because then it's like you can have anything you want. So what more is there to want? Yeah. Then you get into this weird, that's where you get like the Jeffrey Epstein sort of stuff. And everything. <laughs> we, we talked about All right, that that's where you get into the weird stuff where it's like, you're so wealthy, there's nowhere else to go. So you're buying experiences yeah. that are yeah. deviant. Yeah, it's bizarre. Even yeah. Like, especially like if you've got that much money, there's a chance you probably have fame with it because for whatever reason you got that money, fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I've heard of stories, I think Michael Jackson's one where he'd be so wealthy and so famous, he'd like, Go to a supermarket just to feel normal. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Like, so yeah, you've literally yeah. gone back to where you started. Yeah, yeah. Like, you thought yeah. that, like, getting all this. There's another layer with him, though, that I feel yeah. bad, where, like, basically he was, like, abused. famous when he was a kid. Yeah. And where, like, they made him to what he was yeah. supposed to be. And there's also, like, the rumors that, like, you know, they did something so that his voice would stay high. Yeah. Like, they used to do with choir boys yeah. and way back in the day, like, clipping their balls off. Like it's chemical weird stuff. Or so it's not totally yeah. his fault. He was weird, yeah. but like at the same time, you have so much money, and you've had that money for so long. Just like honestly, how many times do you know a child star that manages to stay doing what they were doing when they were a child, and still be famous and still be okay? Yeah. Very. Few I people. can't think of like very few. Really anybody. Yeah. Christian Bale was nominated for an Oscar when he was a kid. Really. And, he, yeah. and yeah. Uh, Something Sun was the movie. I'm he not. Was, I'm not a big movie guy. So he I was really in that much. All I know about him is his body transformations at that moment. Uh, yeah. he he was a kid. He was nominated for an Oscar. Jesus. Um. Yeah. So he, I I just thought of him. But no, you're right. Very 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 few people. And like Drew Barrymore, she's an exceptional case. Cause she yeah. was she was abused, like made to go to parties and drink and do do coke and stuff like that. Yeah. With much older men oh. when she was like 13, 14. And now she seems to be like. A most good of the ones it seems that pull off to be okay, usually leave that life like when they're yeah, like yeah, yeah, eighteen yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it comes down to too like you're made to be a child star when you're a little kid. That's not necessarily you don't have your ideas formed of what you want to do. Right, right. And you're made to be that. Yeah, exactly. Like I would yeah, see yeah. when I was a rowing coach, that would have like their parents would come to me as like, oh, you know, my daughter's getting recruited at thirteen to go to like Harvard to row for them. Or 13 to go to like you know this other school to be like a volleyball player like she's only 13 they're getting a full scholarship but she's like sign a contract when she's 13 that in five years she's still gonna want to play volleyball or right, want right. to play you know row yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like you don't know yeah. they really realistically you shouldn't get those opportunities so you're like yeah. 
beyond 18. Like, right, right. When you're 20. Right? If I'm just putting myself in that shoes. I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm a volleyball player, but I want to be like a painter. Oh, no, but I can't do that because I've got all this opportunity. I don't yeah. want to let anyone down, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah, like I probably, if my child had an opportunity to be like a movie star when they were a kid, I wouldn't let them be that yeah. unless they like absolutely were begging me to do it. Yeah. I probably wouldn't let them. Yeah. Just because, like, you know, you should be allowed to become an adult before you decide to yeah. do what you want to do. Child fame is fucked, man. Yeah. It is. It's so fucked. Especially, like, if your parents are famous as well, and you get that from the safety from that famous family, and then you're famous by association. I'm sure there are examples. Probably the Jacksons, not, not a bad example. The Osbournes, the Beckhams, like, princes and princesses. You're suddenly in the public eye your whole life. I'm like, how can you relate to like me, like the normal person? Right, right. Normal, quote unquote. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, do you have a bottle opener? I should know. That's the, that's the last. <laughs> we don't, we got a spoon. We can use a spoon. Final, final phase. Oh, wow. Final phase. Oh, oh my we, god. We have the last, last brew. The last brew. The final brew of, co- of the uh, cold one. Forevermore. Forevermore. This might be the record for the longest podcast ever, you know. It is, for sure. Is it? How do, do, do you know what my record is? What's your record? Two, two hours and 36 minutes. Oh, we're, 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 that. Up, we're over that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or no, we're we're like a minute away. Oh, okay. yeah. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll have to open a cold one However, I need to find a bottle of okay. we'll wait. We'll wait till it's the longest. Um, all right, I'm going to use restroom, and yeah. Holland, you just do a monologue. <laughs> all right, welcome to Monologues with Holland. All right, we're going to go on about... Uh, about Islam right now. <laughs> you can't even just get a spoon, I can open it with a spoon. Oh. I was gonna ask Helen to make a guest appearance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it doesn't really feel like a podcast compared to the other times. Yeah, the other times yeah. I'll feel like a podcast. But <laughs> like we don't have anybody we have to worry about now. <laughs> we're all we're all friends here. We're still recording. <laughs> Might have to do a lot of editing, but Oh, I don't like anything. <laughs> it's going straight out. Oh. Oh my God, I'm just impressed by the batteries lasting this long because those are rechargeable batteries. And the last time I recharged it was like many months ago. So I'm really oh. surprised it's still going. Right. As soon as Jeremy's here, sorry, as soon as Holland's gets open, we've officially broken the record. Sick. That's what's up. Alright, so this last year, I just want to say, is, um, thank my family, my friends. Is a, is a sunset ale, farmhouse ale, from Overmorrow Brewing Company that is based in Hanoi, Vietnam. And, uh, I have some skin in the game because my cousin is, uh, an investor and founder and a of, guest. of the, and former guest <laughs> of, of the podcast. Um, so sh- shout out to Noah Tanabe and Overmaro the crew. Really awesome beer. So I'm going to read the description real quick. <laughs> <laughs> this is a savory and rustic Belgian style grisette ale with Vietnamese mountain spices. Hand-picked spices from northern Vietnam. So I just wanted to Please. shout that out and then... Uh, Connor's never had a uh, oh, over Oh, you haven't had one of these? No, he hasn't. He hasn't. They're good. It's really they have fun. Them. It's really yeah. good. What bar do they have them at? They have them at um, they have them at Beer Craft. Uni- Unit Jacks, too. too. I think they have yeah, Unit Jacks. They yeah, usually yeah. have them there. 
Yeah, they they're uh, picking up steam in southern Vietnam. Yeah. Cheers to the record. Feels fitting that you guys have the record now because we've had a few of these and your overall time like you've been recurring guests. I've had more <laughs> yeah. recurring guests than Nick. I've got a friend Nick who's been on fifteen times. But it's, oh, shit. wow, yeah, <laughs> he he's obsessed. <laughs> but yeah, I, after that it's probably you guys because you both are individuals. So yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Okay. The record holder. What about the deep topic you want to talk about? It was AI, wasn't it? AI. Oh, it was AI. You still haven't, yeah, AI. AI. Okay. You want to ask something about AI. It was AI and how uh, people are using AI like so much in work and stuff. And personally, I think it's overrated. Mm. Um, so I have a chat GPT account and I've used it a few times for lesson plans. Just writing an outline of a lesson plan, and it's pretty insane how it can write a decent, like, Celta-style lesson plan for an hour or two hours. But there's still a lot missing, it's just an outline. And then I've used it a couple of times for posts for the band, where, uh, especially when Anne was um, on a business trip in Europe, so I didn't have her to write the Vietnamese version of whatever I was trying to post. So I'd print the chat GPT, like, write a post announcing uh, that our new single for a rock band is coming in five days in Vietnamese and English. And then it would be like, in English, hey rockers, which is oh, lame as fuck. <laughs> but then I, I like showed it to Qua, the Vietnamese version, and he was like, okay, that makes sense. So like it actually works. Yeah. But I think people are overrating it that in the next few years like suddenly AI is going to control everything. Uh, it's not that advanced. I, it's like what people thought about the metaverse when it first came out. Like, oh, it's going to be everything. You had Snoop Dogg buying property. It's <laughs> like, you know, it's kind <laughs> of... I didn't hear about that. Oh, you know about that? <laughs> he bought like a huge property and then like so you could pay a ton of money to have your house in the metaverse next to Snoop Dogg. That was a big, big That's thing so when it dumb. first came out. He was one of the first people to like buy property in the metaverse. Okay. And now all of a sudden they've decided like basically not invest any more money in the metaverse for doing AI. So I think AI is something that'll be around, it'll be valuable. Yeah. But with so much technology, it kind of goes through a few phases before we finally figure out how to actually integrate into what we actually want it to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which has been so many things like cars. Like when cars first came out, no one's driving a car. Right. It took a long time before people were like, okay, this can work. Phones. So, yeah. It took phones. a long time to get to this point of, of like having a, you know, computer in yeah. our, our pockets. So do I think it's going to take over right now the way it is? No. Do I think it'll ever take over? Probably not. Yeah. I think we'll find a way to use it to, the, to fulfill a need that we actually have. That we will do. But... There's always, I think, going to be want for the human connection aspect. Like when people are writing, I see that people write their resumes with AI. I've heard that. It's and like, resignation letters, it, which it, it's is, gonna, I think is messed up. Yeah, it's going to get to a point where eventually, uh, you know, uh, business owners are going to be able to know or have something software to tell them this was written with AI. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, not yeah, accept check. it yeah, if yeah, it's yeah. AI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about it. I don't that. think yeah, they're yeah. going to replace everything. I think it's going to replace, right now, all it's replacing is quick, cheap needs. If you need something done cheap and quick and fun, you do that. Yeah, We've yeah, used yeah. it for some of our uh, album art. 
or yeah. uh, cover artwork. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. yeah. Rather than paying someone, you know, fifty to a hundred dollars to do it. Right. That's where it's going to cut out people. Right. But is it actually going to replace the need for humans? No. No. When I mean, you already see with the hand things and everything, when they actually make like AI videos, and the person and the has like eight hands, yeah, yeah. and then they have the mouth does weird things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's just mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. It'll be a long time. It's like uh, what they say with NFTs and with uh, Roblox. It'll be big for a little bit just because of the novelty. Right. But then eventually it's going to get to that point where like, okay, we're the bubble's going to pop. And then it'll come back once or even twice before it's actually integrated to what it's supposed to be. Right, right. Kind of like Bitcoin. It's supposed to be the be-all, end-all of all the money and everything. And it now it's like everyone's getting scammed. Everyone's getting Still scammed. Yeah. <laughs> so it's already come back twice. Yeah. What's going to be? It's like an alternative choice for certain types of money if you're in, an alter- in a different country than where you're from. Right, right. That's what it's going to be. Right. AI, I think, is going to be the same thing. It's going to be something that'll be integrated into something else. Right. Metaverse, same thing. Everything they talked about with the metaverse was like, oh, it's really cool, but you actually can't do that, and you're not fulfilling any need that people can't do in real life. Right. Eventually, it'll get to a point to integrate into real life. That is what I think. Right. I actually watched an AI interview with Joe Rogan and Andrew Tate, which is like really weird. Like it's AI, completely AI, the whole thing. Yeah. And I was like, let's see how this is. Joe sounds exactly the same. But yeah. Tate needs some work. Like it's like it's obviously not him. Like if you listen to that, it sounds a bit weird. But Joe sounds exactly the same, and I'm just like, shit. How does that? How's that going to work in terms of like distinguishing fact from reality, which we already struggle with? That is well, going to be a problem. Yeah, I think yeah. that's yeah, and it's already a problem with deep faking. So I was reading about uh, recently in the U.S. There's a big problem now where uh, people can just, so you can call someone, right, and get, like, just, you can just say to them some random question, and then they'll respond with one sentence or two sentences, and that's enough audio to record where you can deep fake their voice, and then you know who this person is, so then you contact their family members, and you use an AI-generated voice clip asking them, like, or saying like, oh hey, uh, last night I was at a bar and and uh, I got too drunk and like I got in a fight with this guy and now I'm in jail and I need a thousand dollars for bail and this has already happened. Oh my god! And so so these scammers they send that to a person's family and then they they like have a this article I read there was like a fake police officer who came to this p- person's house. And was like, oh, I'm, I'm here to get the bail money for your son. And then they believed it because they thought they had already talked to their son on the phone. And they gave this person a thousand dollars, and it, it was all completely bogus. So like that kind of scam is already happening, well, and it's going to get more and more developed. So I think like the negatives are going to be huge. Yeah. Before the positives are realized. Yeah. 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 I personally get the feeling that like six months from now we're not even be talking about AI. I hope not. I already, I already get that feeling. I already get the feeling it's one of those things. It almost feels like a meme where it yeah, lasts. Yeah. It's really cool. It's really funny. It lasts for a while and then disappears. Yeah, yeah. It already feels like that to me. It's really annoying. And the technology, I think, won't go away, but it'll eventually become something. It'll <laughs> the AI will eventually become something that's usable. Yeah. But realistically, like. If I have to type up what I want you to say, and then you say it, and then I have to go in and fix it, I might as well just type it my, yeah, myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. For them, it's not point. that much more work. Yeah. So people that are actually using AI to get their work done quicker, it's not that much quicker. 
it's like five minutes versus seven minutes. Right. Yeah. To do something. Yeah. For the Vietnamese part, that was cool. Well, not bad. Yeah, the Vietnamese part that when you got the translation done. Yeah. yeah maybe yeah. that's where it's going to be that's really cool. big, yeah, impo- yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. important. It's going to really help that's out. That's helpful. Yeah. Where you know we have the actual Vietnamese speakers say that makes sense. You know. I like the taste. It's good, right? I don't like the smell. Really? Yeah. Smell it. I guess, very different I guess case. it smells a bit funky, yeah. Yeah, like, but I don't have to smell it, I can just go, whoop, <laughs> pretend I'm yeah, okay yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So what are your thoughts? I mean, we, we, just, are, said, yeah. we just said I a lot. Right, okay, to be honest with you, like, I don't want to sound like the old man shouts at clouds, but a bit of me yeah. is like, oh no, I don't want it coming and taking over human interaction. I mean, I think it will take over a lot of jobs like copywriting and stuff like that, because you don't exactly need that anymore, or translators, it's like, dude, you need, just got, just got AI, it can just take over. But yeah, I feel like I don't know enough about it to make an informed statement. Mm. I think from what I'm thinking, I hope it's not like like we just said. I hope it's just a thing that's just in six months it's gone. It's a bit like a meme, and I hope we can get some use from it, but it doesn't become too too prominent or too popular because ultimately human experience is what makes the planet. Mm. I don't really. People like communicating with humans. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, like, the metaverse tried to make we're only going to communicate with humans online. Mm-hmm. But it's like we already had that, like online gaming yeah, and yeah. things like that. We already yeah. had those things. Yeah. We didn't need you to be here. So now we have AI. It's like we already have this. We don't need it. That's why I feel a lot of tech is happening right now. They're making things we don't actually need. Mm-hmm. We haven't right. really got something in a long time. It's like, oh, we needed this. Even VR, it's like. I didn't need this. Right, it's like trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. I think it will be good for customer service, because most of those people are brain dead anyway. Yeah, yeah. It'd be quite nice to fix (laughs) certain issues like that. Yeah, yeah. No offense to anyone who's... Do do our visa paperwork for us. Do all of our HR paperwork for us. Oh, dude, like, in Vietnam, so many things could just be automated. Yes that we spend a fuck ton of time doing. Yeah. That you could just yeah. have kiosks, digital kiosks. For example, the Justice Department, when we have to get our police check. Why do we have to wait for 45 minutes to go hand some papers to a person, and then 10 minutes later pay, and then leave, and then you got to come back in three weeks, and then wait another 30 minutes or 45 minutes, and then That's get the result? Five months, yeah, yeah. It should literally take one minute. You walk in... You put your shit in the machine, scans your passport, yep. boom, the prints out the result. Wrong. That's it. Yep. Yep. Why does it take so long? That should literally be it, but that's Vietnam. It's like what we were talking about earlier, small things that annoy me, there's that stuff. I wonder yeah. if there's an admin task. I had one the other day. I have to notarize my passport in terms of updating it before leaving. And I was in my head thinking, this is going to take an hour. It's going to yeah. really annoy me. It was actually only 10 minutes, but I was like, okay, few. But most of the admin tasks I've done, all like that. It's like forty-five minutes. Then you have to come back. It's like, why? Don't yeah, I yeah. Send it here. Yeah. And ultimately, it would save money. Let's say, let's say a, a kiosk costs a thousand dollars per per machine. You have five machines. Yeah. So you're replacing five people who are working there. You have some people who are observing things, helping people make sure it's working. Whatever. The upfront cost would be high compared to the salaries monthly of the people. But like over the years, you don't have to do much to maintain those. Yeah, yeah. So like the the net profit for the government would be high. Looks like right. no, yeah. Because that's the government's the last thing to integrate AI though. That's the problem. 
the last thing to integrate AI will be the government. Well, I'm not even talking about AI, I'm just talking about simple machines. Even then, that's the last <laughs> thing it'll actually change. They have a lot of redundant. They have a lot of redundant jobs. Yeah, absolutely. and that they run on redundant jobs. That's yeah. the thing. For sure. Yeah. Although apparently in in Tunsunyut Airport, they just uh, installed some scanning machines for passports for immigration. So they're te- they're testing that out. That'll be nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like so like when when we went to Korea. Um, for Christmas last year, uh, when you come in, there's an actual person, but it's very fast. Yeah. But when you leave, you scan your passport. It has a camera. It scans your face, and then it says to you in your language of the country you're from, "Thank you. See you again." So it said that to me in English, and then it said, "Come on, hang up, lie to Anne." Jesus. And I'm like, that's fucking awesome. That's amazing. In Vietnam, when you want to leave, you have to spend like five minutes mm-hmm. where this guy is just yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ugh, how do I use a computer? Yeah. And then the software is like 20 years old. I, I spent like 10... Well, it feels like 10 minutes. It probably is shorter or longer. Just stood at that thing waiting for the guy who's like... Yeah, it's like, what yep, the fuck is yep. he doing? Uh, yeah, yeah. Why is it so hard? I feel like, some, honestly, I feel like sometimes they take longer just to make it look like they're taking longer to yeah, do the job. Yeah. And But sometimes people are like, bum, 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 all right, move along. Yeah. And all of a sudden they get to one, like, hmm. I, I watched one guy last time I left Vietnam, I was going to Thailand. He looked at the passport, he put it down, and just sat there. He waited, he looked at his clock, and they fixed it up, pushed a button, and he was like, here you go. Wow. He was literally taking a certain amount of time just to make it look like he was yeah, taking time yeah, to do yeah. what he was doing. It, no, it really annoys me. I like was, efficiency. I like smooth. <laughs> cool. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, like today when I was at the health check, there was one guy, the, he had to check my like overall everything. He was just like, how tall are you? I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm not, like, in centimeters, I'm not sure. I've been waiting for this guy for an hour because the previous person was taking forever. He's like, okay, all right, I'm just going to wrote in random numbers, basically. He's <laughs> like, here you go, move along. So he had 30 people waiting because the previous mm-hmm. person took so long. So he was like, bam, 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 all right, there you go. Just move along, move along. So I think a lot of that kind of stuff could be, like, automated, basically. Yeah, for sure. There's so much for stuff. Sure. You don't yeah, need a person yeah. to do that. Okay, for sure. All he did was yeah. ask me, have you ever been injured before? You ever had surgery before? You ever broke a bone before? I'm like, nope, nope, nope. It's like, you have a disease? Nope. All right, cool, move along. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Simple, right? Yeah. I had fucking pen and paper when I came back from Bali. I'm like, geez, like, it's 2020. Why yeah. have you got pen and paper? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, there is a need to have people, uh, when, when you're entering the country, so even still in the US and Korea, Japan, like, there's always a person when you're entering the country. But when you're leaving, again, those same countries, US, Japan, Korea, it's all automated. Because you're leaving. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Get the fuck out. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Go. Yeah. Bye. 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 See ya. Doesn't matter now. Yeah, yeah. It's all done. You're not our problem anymore. Yeah, yeah. Just get out. It's mad, right? Like, you don't have yeah. bombs, yeah. so just leave. Just buy it. You've been through yeah. security. You don't yeah. You don't have guns. Yeah. You don't have bombs. You don't have drugs. Yeah. Just get out. See ya. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why yeah. does someone need to stare at your passport? It's nuts, isn't it? I remember, like, coming out of Malaysia, they were questioning me. I was like, why? They were like, do you live in Vietnam? I'm like, yeah. Can I see? Yes. And they're like, check it for ages. I'm like, why? 
Yeah. Like your lips are only doing this so you can say your boss, yeah, but it was one person. Yeah, yeah. And I'm fucking getting yeah. nervous. Oh, I, qu- like, I question that British guy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, shit, shit. It was a good moment in my day. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it, dude. Uh, yeah. Literally, when I gave, when I was leaving Vietnam, I gave the guy the passport, and he looked at it, he put it down, face first, and just sat there. And then he looked at his watch, and he was like, <laughs> picked up his pass, the passport, hit a button, and handed it back to me. It's like literally, you were just waiting for a certain amount of time to go by, yeah, just to say you took a yeah. certain amount of time to like look, like you're looking. It's yeah. like if it's that easy, just do it that easy. Yeah. If it's difficult, do it difficult. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. So when you see fucking huge queues, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, getting agitated, and they get to the front, the guy's like, I'm like, mate, we're all in a fucking, we're, look at us, look at us, there's a huge queue, fucking hurry up, like, yeah, get, yeah, get yeah, the yeah. memo, bro, yeah yeah, 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 like, do you not see what's in front of you? Yeah. This I is remember, gonna make you stay longer. Yeah. I remember when I first entered Vietnam, I guess somehow there's no one coming in. I, in 2018, there was, like, nobody coming in. And I went over to get my, like, on the far left of the airport, there's the, uh, the visa station, you get your visa and everything, like my three-month business, oh, business yeah, yeah, yeah. visa and those sort of thing. Got that, took me a while, came back, there's no line, but there's nobody sitting at the immigration. There's no one at any of these kiosks, except for one person over at, like, the diplomatic kiosk person. And I'm like, there's no, like, I don't see anybody here. I can't go through. So I went over to that person, like, hey, can you, like, check me in? She was like, no, you should go over there. I'm like, there's, there's no, no there. one there. And, like, she just, like, got angry at me. And she, like, stamped in and moved me through. And I went through. And I found all the immigration workers, like, sitting on the floor on the other side of the kiosk. just like, chilling. Because there's nobody there. Yeah. But I was like, that was the only person there. That was my first time coming to Vietnam. There's just like, nobody there. That's, that's, that's insane, man. And that's the kind of thing uh, I think can be automated. Could be. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of shit that's, like, difficult living here, coming from a Western country. Yeah. yeah. Where even, like, so when I went home in February, I had to renew my license. My driver's license was expired. So you, you, you think that, like, you know, a government office in a small town would be pretty shitty. But, like, surprisingly... It didn't take that long. It took like 20 minutes, and there were like 30 people in there yeah. doing all kinds of stuff, all kinds of different things. And it only took 20 minutes. I paid my fee. I got a new picture. They printed my license. The whole thing took 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Even in a small town where the people are not like the people working there, they're not fucking Harvard scholars. Yeah. But, yeah. but like they get it done. They get it done. Yeah. That's because they're not trying to waste time. Yeah. Yeah. They just fucking do it. Yeah. And there's machines yeah. to help them. There's a system that's in place that's been developed over many decades that's gotten more and more efficient. Mm. And it gets better and better. Yeah. Like when I was in high school, it, it took like 40 minutes. And now it took 20 minutes. Same exact thing for me in November of uh, 2021. 2022, 2021. When I went back to the U.S., I'd get my driver's license renewed. Same thing. It was like 20 minutes. And yeah. Then a bunch of people in there. And then you just move on through. And that is uh, one of the things you got used to. If you come to Vietnam or another country, it's not like that in the rest of the world. Yeah. So a whole lot of, <laughs> lot of like on paper yeah. bureaucratic everything. Like when they say they're looking through to like you know check you and everything. They're, they're not, not looking, looking through shit. anything. They, yeah. they, their systems are all on paper. You yeah. go to the police office to file a report, it's on paper. They don't have a computer yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. There's no computer. It's all on paper. I told you the story about my friend that got stabbed, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And in that police report, the guy was handwriting everything with a pen, and it was like three full pages. It's like, dude, it would have been faster to just do this on your yeah, phone yeah, yeah, yeah. and then upload it to Google Drive. Like, Modernous in it. just Modernous. writing yeah. a serious report about a foreigner being stabbed. On a fucking piece of paper and there's never any follow up. That's crazy. Oh, yeah, we left phone numbers, the, they never called. Oh, yeah, just can we put in the, in the files? Yeah. yeah. They never called to follow up. Well, that's the way it is in most of the world. Yeah. I think that's the thing, like coming from America where we think it's a certain way, or coming from the UK, it's like a certain way with like there's systems. Everyone knows the system if they're in that job, but then you go to the rest of the world, there aren't these systems. There aren't really that really tied together, like, this is the way we do things. There's so many times if you lose your parking ticket. Like, I lost oh, one at my old job at ILA. I lost one one time. Somehow I lost my parking ticket. I go to, like, the guy that's supposed to uh, take my parking ticket. I've been the one there for years. Yeah. Like, three <laughs> years at this point. He's like, oh, no, sorry. And he's just like, bike same bike for three years. And he's just like, hmm, I don't know what to do. Give me 50K. So give me 50K. And then another guy walks up, no, 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 we can't do that. And there's delib- de- de- delibating, de- <laughs> deliberating <laughs> for 30 minutes. The yeah. cold ones are kicking in. We're doing this for like 30 minutes. And then finally, one of the ACs that I knew, or TAs that I knew, yeah, yeah. walks up, I'm like, hey, do you explain them, like, what's going on? And then they're like, oh, just leave your passport, leave your this. Oh, I'm like, fine, I'll leave those things. I left, I came back, and I didn't hear anything. Nothing was heard. Three weeks later, I'm like, hey, can I go get my stuff? And I go down and just get my stuff from them. But, like, there's no, like, system for when things go wrong. Yeah, yeah, Things yeah, are yeah, very yeah, yeah. right when things go right. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they're 100% prepared for how things go right. When things go wrong, there's they no can't, there's no, like, branches. there's no, like, uh, uh, workbook. Yeah, yeah. There's no book for their job. Yeah, Like, yeah. you know, back home, if you're working, like, a store, even, if something happens, you're not sure what to do. Literally, you can just it's pull up you. the employee handbook yeah. and look up three point five, and yeah. says, "This is what we do yeah. when this happens," and you do that. There isn't that here. We're here. It's like this is what you do if things go right. Things go wrong. That's on you. Yeah. Yeah. Done. You know, it's, it's very much put on the employees. I get that. It's not their fault because it's basically dumped on the the lower level employees. Right. right. If they, that person walks away with the parking ticket or steals a bike. That's on you, not on whoever's in charge of the whole mm, thing. Right, right. And they're not told what to do. So therefore, they're really defensive about it, but they're not actually told what to do. Right. There have been so many times where I've gotten pissed off at something, and I've kept pushing. And then I get the result because I was just persistent. Yeah, yeah. And then they realize, oh, okay, we can do this. We just didn't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we weren't quite sure about it. Yeah. Didn't, didn't want to contact someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Anne calls it using my white privilege. Uh, <laughs> and maybe yeah. the well, once you push it, it's like, yeah. This yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. I'm always wondering is how much of it because I'm a foreigner and how much of it because I just pushed really hard. Yeah. Like yeah. the other day, so you know, yeah. we now, if you don't have a TRC, you can't get a debit card. But you also can't get an ATM card. I went in to get cash. And I said, sign Which here. And my signature is not exactly the same as it was the first time. It's pretty similar. 
But like that first time was five years ago. And she's like, oh, your signature's not the same. I'm like, look at these two signatures I did the first time. These first two times are not exactly the same. I'm like, you have my passport. You have my account number. You have my phone that has the, 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 I'm in the account right now. I can get into all of this. I have all the things. She says, oh, your passport actually doesn't matter. There's only a way to look up your account. The only thing for ID verification to get cash is your signature. So I asked her, I was like, well, are you telling me if I came in here and just gave you my name and I signed exactly the same way that I signed that first time, I could get my cash? She's like, yes. So all you need is your signature. Yeah, all you need is a signature. That's all you needed. And I just signed a third time. I'm like, I was pushing her. I was like, really? Only, so if I sign this way, exactly the same way, regardless of what I told you, anything else, no other ID, I can get my cash. She's like, yes. And she just gave me my money and left. And these people aren't fucking CIA agents. Oh, no, no, no. Who are trained in reading signatures. And nobody does a signature exactly the same every time. Like, that's total bullshit. Exactly. You have the original document of proving your identity that is valid in any government office that you go to, like, this is me, I'm Holland Chadwick, I'm American, this is my fucking document that proves yeah. that. And they literally but tell me my bank, passport is not ID, is just to look up easier, an easier way for them to look up my account. I'm like, I could just give me my account number. Yeah. I don't need the passport. Like, so basically the passport is invalid, just so you look up your name using the passport number, but it's not actually important to the account. Right. What's important yeah. to get your money is your signature. Yeah. It's ridiculous. That's insane. Yeah, no, no, gentlemen, I feel like we're coming to the, the, the closing stages. It is dark as fuck. <laughs> when dark, we started, it's got very light. <laughs> Any final thoughts? I'd imagine we're... Oh my God, it's 7 o'clock now. We're at 3. 7 o'clock. We're, we're at th- we're 3. Over three. Oh my Lord. This is the first time in how many episodes? 520? But this has gone over 3 hours. Wow. Been a pleasure. Been nice. A pleasure, nice. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah, you for the yeah. cold ones, and uh, I wish Coastal Connection the very best in the future endeavors. Yeah, I Thank hopefully we'll see you, you again. Wait, yeah. uh, my final question would be: What's the plan for Melbourne? Oh yeah, nobody knows I'm moving to Australia, do they? Well, now they do. <laughs> now if, they, if, they, if, they, if they actually listen to three fucking hours, of, <laughs> yeah, they, they have to Long get to time. three hours and thirty minutes to get the bombshell that I'm moving. Uh, my initial plan, actually, I think I might. Have told you recently or maybe Georgian is if you are on a on a working holiday visa mm. which is what I'm on as you're under 30 you have to do 88 days work whether that be farm work whether that be hospitality barista charity work whatever and I'm hoping to get that done break basically straight away one to keep drumming up some cash so I don't run out two so I can then relax so say for example I've then got nine months to just enjoy Australia and if I want to stay I've got another, another year wait so you- so at the start, or or, all right, how long is the validity of the visa? A year, a year okay. from the moment I arrived, so twenty nine June. So within that year, you only need to do eighty eight. Yeah. So can you just start by doing nothing and traveling, and then yeah. it, and then like after three months you yeah. work. Yeah. And then like take another month and yeah. then work more. Yeah. So it's just eighty eight within that time period. That's very strange to me. Yeah. What? 
We don't get that kind of thing with America. Yeah, dude, uh, you can't do that shit in America. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we like, can do that. We, 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 we don't get the opportunity yeah, yeah. for a working visa like that. No, that, that's why, like, I, yeah. I, I want to... You have to do the 88 days just to get a second-year visa. Yeah. No, if I wanted to just travel 12 months, I could. Oh, I yeah. can do, like, things. But no, you have to do a certain type of work for those first 88 days. And I want to do that. My plan is to settle in Melbourne for a week. I've got a, I've got a week in Melbourne City backpackers, which should be fun. And after that, okay. I aim to just yeah go and see where, wherever the opportunity takes me. Uh, a friend of work, who me and Holland now, has helped me out with a few things. And yeah, I hope to get the 88 days done pretty much straight away. And then I can relax a bit more. And I'll still be working as I go. But yeah. I'll just be like, uh, pretty casually, so I'll be like going up to Brisbane and being like, okay, I'll take a few days. But like, I don't have to. Is like, Can you work anywhere within Australia? Yeah. It doesn't have to be a particular city. Uh, for the 88 days, it needs to be a bit more remote, depending on the job. More remote? Yeah, if it's farm work, yeah. But could you work in Melbourne if, yeah. if someone gave you a job? Yeah. Right. Yeah, but the employer could only keep you for six months. Right. So with working holiday, it's a bit like a... To be honest with you, a bit, it's a bit of like a 19, 20-year-old thing. Like, when you backpacking, just like, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah, I know I'm not eligible because I'm over 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I can't believe I'm 30 now, so I can't yeah. do it. <laughs> I don't think I could do it anyways. I'm from the US, but... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what, that's what mainly the reason why I'm doing it, because I'm 25 and I like, don't exactly know my next move. It was Mexico for a long time. Right. And I just thought, fuck it, let's go to Australia. <laughs> right. Here we yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. what's the future of Kumbasike? Come back. I can't believe I used to call it Kumbasike. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. That, <laughs> so, sorry. So I did. Jordan, Kumbasike. Jordan, Jordan says that all the time. So now, now, it's, in, it's, now it's in my head. He's the only one who remembers Now it's in my head. Dude, I always think it was Kumbasike. Yeah. Always. Yeah, yeah. Stop, it's, stop, it's, stop. it's in our heads. Yeah. Okay. okay. The, the comeback. Thank you. Thank the you. comeback. Thank you. What's the, <laughs> what's the future of the comeback? Doing it in Australia. Carrying on doing it for the foreseeable. It's very right. similar to the bands that you guys started where you have a hobby and something to get behind. Right. Like, as soon as I did it, I thought, this is sick. Like, I love this. And that's right. why I got obsessed for the first two years. This year, I've been a bit more chill. I've been doing yeah, it like yeah. a normal person. I noticed that. Yeah. But I got obsessed at one point. I was just like... I also noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone did. It's like, is this guy putting a selfie, like, four selfies a day? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you were doing sometimes, like, four interviews yeah, a day. I was, yeah, yeah. That's nuts. I was getting... Was very crazy. Ooh, yeah. yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah, Remember it how fun. stressed you were at work, and you were like, oh, I gotta do my interview, I gotta do yeah. this, I gotta do oh, that. Sorry, I always my lunch break. I was always having to do I was always, always... Always having to pick up his lunch every day. Yeah, yeah, because I was doing interviews <laughs> all over the show. But then I thought, right, fucking chill with this a bit. So I chilled with it, and yeah, it's been fun, and I plan on carrying on doing it in Australia. Like, the equipment's not exactly huge, like, you both done the individual where you just get the microphones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's sweet. Just love lo- lo- that in my luggage. And yeah, I'm just excited for a new chapter, to be honest with you. Comeback will continue, and we'll see how it goes. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Interview some cool uh, like progressive metal bands they have in Australia. They will do. They some will of my favorite bands all come out yeah. of Australia. So go interview them. Yeah, man, big time. But yeah. yeah, this was the first band I actually interviewed, and I actually looked at mine and Jeremy's messages the other day, and it sounds weird, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> and it, back okay. in, if we go back to March 2021 or early April, I'm like, hey, do you want to do an interview? And he was like, yeah, can I bring the band? I was like. Yeah, cool, man. Yeah, I didn't plan that. Nice, nice. I, just, like, I don't remember that. Yeah, nice. and here we are here two years later. Hey, over, over three hours. Over three hours. You guys have the right yeah. in terms of appearances and time. But ye
in Nam at some point. You're gonna interview Coastal Connection in Australia. I could do, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna go on tour, <laughs> and you're gonna interview us in Australia. Start planning those seas when you're there. Yeah. Like, get yeah. us in, get us in. And anyone you know who's like a bar manager mm. or whatever, like, put that in there. Put that in there. Yeah. Put extra comments on there. Yeah. yeah. Guys, pop over at Pet. Happy days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Look forward to it. Cheers, so gents. Cool. Thank you very much. Alright, All right. so that, that's it for uh, Cold Ones with Connor, episode 6, right? Episode 6, I episode believe. Episode 6, yeah, yeah, yeah. the last one. Peace there we out, go. Wait, Let's get to 30... 309. 309, there yeah. we go. Thank you very Goodbye. much, guys. Alright, see ya.